The year is 1998 and the PlayStation 1 is flying high. Three years into its generation, it has become the must-have system. Final Fantasy VII was released a year prior and well on its way to becoming the second best-selling game on the console, and January of 1998 saw the release of Resident Evil 2, putting survival horror squarely front and center. In March of 1998, Square decided that they wanted an in on Capcom's pie and released a game that took elements of RPGs, science fiction, survival horror, put it together, and the result was Parasite Eve, a game based on the novel of the same title. It went on to spawn two more games, but on this episode, we take a look at this very underrated PS1 gem as it hits its 20th anniversary next on Downloadable Content. DLC, and I am Brian, and with me we have Shanna. Hey! And we have Ryan. Hello. Both of them long-time panelists, both of them making their very first appearance here in Season 8 of DLC, so welcome, welcome back. But yes, we're going to be talking about Parasite Eve today, so before we dive into our retrospective, just want to remind everyone that every single episode can be found on our website, dlcpodcast.com. You can check out upcoming recordings. You can send us feedback, give us ideas for future episodes. Let us know if you want to be in on an episode. All there, dlcpodcast.com. Every single episode can also be found on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. So... All right, there are all the ways to get downloadable content into your ears. Ah, so yes, Parasite Eve. Now, this is an episode I've been wanting to do for a while because I love this game, and it is so, so very underrated, I feel. It's... You know, it, it it did sell over a million copies, so it did it did wind up getting the the coveted greatest hits designation for the PS One. But this was one of those games that was like, like quietly slipped under the radar because, as I said in the intro, you know, Final Fantasy VII had come out a year before, and that was just flying high. Uh, Resident Evil Two had just been released, and that put the Resident Evil franchise right on the map. And then we get, you know, what I call Square's answer to Resident Evil, which was Parasite Eve, which, yes, it, it, it mashed up elements of RPGs and survival horror and science fiction and 
you know, it is based on the novel, which is also called Parasite Eve. It's, and in fact, the very first game is a sequel to the novel. Yeah, I did hear that. And uh, have you read the novel? It, it has been translated in, into English, and I and I do have it. I personally have not. Me neither. But it is definitely um, one of those things that I do eventually want to read because uh, it has been um, – it's very much attributed to Japanese horror. And Japanese horror is one of the more uh, interesting subjects that there is to read because I've seen um, a few of those in graphic novel forms. And, uh, yeah, the I personally think the artwork for those are, is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I was very glad that the novel itself was translated into English because I wanted to see – and I wanted to read what – you know, Square based this on, and they reference the novel a lot in the game. Oh, they do? They Yes, they do. You, you know all the cutscenes where they're talking about the incident that happened in Japan? Ah. That's all in the novel, isn't it? Yeah, it is, that is right out of the novel. Oh, that makes so much sense. That comes right out of the novel. It's it's just like, ah, ha, ha, I see what you did there. Good, good, good. Hmm. Oh, before we dive in too much further, just if any of you out there on the internet are listening to this, uh, there are massive spoilers ahead. So just just want to lay just want to lay that blanket statement out there. There's going to be spoilers aplenty. And even though this game is 20 years old, you, if you haven't played it, I suggest you do. It's on the PlayStation Network. Six bucks, buy it, and then come back to us after you're done playing it. Otherwise. Or if you want to be ruined forever, go ahead and keep listening. It's it's completely up to you. But you have most definitely been warned. Spoiler alert. Alert. <laughs> yep, very yeah, spoiler much. Spoiler alert. So, but yes, I mean, I read the novel after I finished the first game. Because in the credits, it actually says, based on the novel by hmm. whatever his name is. <laughs> You'd think I'd have so that, that in front of me, but I don't. <laughs> So does the novel kind of go like more into explanation, like what's been hap- what happened with like the whole with all the uh, mitochondria with every with all the uh, like monsters and everything like that? Does that go a little bit more into an explanation of like what happened to that? Um, the novel explains how Eve was created. Ah, gotcha. Which that would be interesting to check wh- out. Which um is referenced in the game, um. They actually use some of the elements from the novel to set up the characterization of Aya in the in the game. So uh it's mentioned in the game that Aya's mother was in a car accident. And Ooh. it's yep. it, it's uh so um and the mother didn't make it and Aya's sister Maya because yep maya yep mm-hmm. maya had an organ that uh, had a, a kidney transplant which was given to a character in the game uh by the name of melissa pierce who is the opera singer at the start of the game mm-hmm. now i don't know about you <laughs> but you know you know, you that, that first cut scene where you have the opera going on, and you know, Square really likes their operas. 
you know. I was gonna say yeah, the same they, thing. They, you know, they really do because not only with uh, Parasite Eve, but also um another game that I recent. Uh, recent. Well, I don't know if I say recently played, but um, another game called Near Automata. Again, it's the same thing. Square has a huge obsession with opera themed stuff because in that game, there's literally an opera person. I'm just like, okay, what is your obsession with all this? Yeah, like Shanna, I was waiting for. Uh, it's like I I knew what was going on now because I played this ten years ago, so I knew right. I knew what I knew it was coming. But all the while, I'm just waiting for. Uh, the opening notes to the Maria and Draco opera. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, this is just slightly better audio with, yes. with the warbly with the warbly opera singing. And I'm like, is she gonna throw a, a bouquet of roses off the balcony? Like, where's that coming? I, I'm waiting for Ultros to fall onto the stage. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But um, you know, the funny thing I was thinking was I was kind of. I'm also in the middle of replaying Final Fantasy IX at the moment. And when I started to watch the opera and it's the whole like, father, why won't you let me be with her sort of storyline? I'm like, this is, I want to be your canary. Only Yes. Now the, the, the guy who's not supposed to be with the girl because his father says no. So I was just like, oh, this is too funny. I'm like, what is it with Claire and these Shakespearean plays? Yeah. It's, it's Although, like... <laughs> when I was doing the uh, playthrough, well, I haven't actually fully gotten through uh, Parasite Eve. I haven't like about three quarters of the way through. It's like I haven't gotten fully up to uh, certain bosses yet. But as, I, but, I, but as I've been playing through it, I'm just like – because – to me, I've noticed there are so many similarities between like some of the things that they do for Parasite Eve and then also the stuff that they did for Resident Evil. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, okay, were these just recycled ideas that were originally going to go into Resident Evil, but but in the end got rejected or something like that? Yeah, that's a like Square picked up whatever Capcom rejected and uh, and and it, and it became that because in the no- in the novel there is none of the creatures or monsters it is entirely eve oh well they had to have you fight something during the game i can you couldn't have a video game without minions right yes so i mean the novel is is much more scientific i mean the novel is written by a doctor so yeah so (laughs) and and with resident evil because as i know very well with stuff or at least um with the new one resident evil biohazard is like I'm thinking to myself, um, wait, Resident Evil Biohazard has these weird, ugly uh, monsters that were contaminated. Okay, spoiler alert for Biohazard. It has monsters that were made due to a uh, fungal spore. And I was thinking to myself, wait, Parasite was Parasite Eve supposed to be like a rejected precursor to Bio ha- Resident Evil Biohazard just because of so many similarities to it? And I'm just like, what the hell are you doing, Capcom? <laughs> Well, you know, this is the, well. It, I mean, there is no virus or fungus of any kind. This is we're actually talking about cellular stuff. So mitochondria and the evolutionary abilities therein, and so the, it's like, oh, no T virus or anything like that. But no. <laughs> but you do have to brush up on your tenth grade biology. I was gonna say. Uh, and in my case, too, because I am a huge nerd for it. You, if you also know stuff about microbiology, which I know a ton about microbiology, you actually kind of understand, oh, so that's what the hell they're pulling with this. Damn you. Yeah. Shanna, you were saying? 
No, I was just going to say the same thing. I'm like, all right, this is the game that's literally rewarding me for paying attention to biology class. <laughs> yeah. I have I, to know the structures of the cell to understand this game. Yeah, that that'll be a huge turnoff to people. Now it's like I, I say, Parasite Eve. Yes, it's an awesome game, but also make sure you brush up on biology. Ah, oh, shit, we had to learn stuff for this. Yes, afraid so. Damn it. Well, I mean, it's the, the only thing that ever, anyone ever remembers out of tenth grade bio is mitochondria as the powerhouse yeah, of the, the cell. Powerhouse of the cell. And and. <laughs> That, the is, the, is the hub, really. Is the, yeah, and then the brain of the cell. And then it's like, okay, you can actually get through Parasite Eve mostly just on that. <laughs> yeah. Just on that bit of knowledge. But, you know, we, we, we start the game. They're going to an opera. And, you know, again, the opera thing. I just, then, you know, Melissa Pierce is singing and suddenly spontaneous combustion. And... <laughs> That was one of the best and, and or uh, funniest scenes, if you ask me that, when people were just suddenly bursting up in flames. They're just suddenly bursting in flames, but the thing that actually made me burst out loud laughing is when Aya just elbows her date. <laughs> I love that part. I remember that. Just like, just get, get, the get, fuck, get the fuck out of here. Doesn't even, like, give him a gun. Just kind of elbows him off the oh, screen. Get out. <laughs> Well, they ha- and they have the sound effect. He basically goes, "Oh, yeah!" Like, when you knock him out of the way, and you never see that guy again. That's it. He's done. I love it. You yeah. nev- never again. It's like that. That is the least graceful exit, really. You know, I don't even think they gave him a name. He's literally just called Man. <laughs> he-, he does not have a name. He's so <laughs> insignificant to the rest of the story. It's just like, okay, we'll g- we'll give them some. Uh, we'll give them a little uh, nice romantic plot, and then everybody bursts into flames. Okay, we don't care about this character anymore. Let's get into the main plot. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm looking at at the plot summary for Parasite Eve, and it's like, no, he doesn't even. He's an NPC with no name at all. He's just just man. <laughs> yep. Like like Square didn't even give him the level of importance at all and she never talks about him again either she never says like oh yeah well like i went on a date and it didn't work like i don't think she ever mentions this guy like i wonder if that guy's okay she doesn't mention the guy but she does mention like towards like when she's escaping from the sewers just the whole date thing because she was so she was a little uh i always say she was pissed off at daniel because of like the whole thing that happened but she she was she was kind of just like after like the report she, the reporter kind of uh, stops her on, after she's getting out of the story. She's kind of just like, yeah, that date was a was a total bust. Oh, and speaking of the reporter, I love this next part where uh, Aya is going through. She ha- she's going through the whole sewers and stuff like that. And then she she confronts Eve, and then she has to fight against that mutant uh, alligator, which was uh, I thought I thought that was a little that was a little of a that was a kind of meh boss fight in the end, but still interesting to see. Then Aya comes right out of the sewers, and lo and behold, there's a reporter right there trying to be like, Miss, you are the only survivor of this incident. Can you tell us what was happening and going on through? Then I was just like, oh god, here we go. Then Daniel comes out of the door and BAM! Punches the reporter. Just like... (laughs) Like... You mean... Uh, I I love that so much. That was like, yes! Like, Daniel... Like, okay... Just, though, beforehand, first of all, what the hell is an alligator doing in the New York City sewer? Uh, well, that's a, that was like a thing for a while in New York, because th- this game is a love letter to New York in many respects, yes. which I love. Um, rats. 
Yeah, but there was a thing, like a rumor, I guess, going around that there were alligators living in the sewers coming yeah, up that, to people's toilets yeah, in New York in, City. I think it was back in the early to late 90s that that was going on. Maybe, yeah, somewhere around the 80s and 90s, sometime when, like, New York still had mystique and intrigue, let's be honest. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, there was, a, there was a running thing that was like, oh, my God, yeah, there's alligators in the sewers, and they climb up the pipes into people's toilets and into their homes and, like... Yeah, that was a thing for a while. <laughs> but, you know, you're finding out the, the character backstory of Melissa, and you find out that, you know, she is just popping medication left yeah. and right because, you know, she's fe- I'm feeling terrible. I better take some more drugs. And, uh, the, you know, we are we've been double cast for the for the lead role in this opera. And then, you know, mysteriously, the other person dies when their apartment catches fire. And, oh, I better take more drugs. And Well, the thing is, I mean, Melissa's story is actually pretty interesting when you think it about is. it. Because she's been, the reason why she keeps taking so much medication is because she's been sick. I mean, she had the kidney transplant because she was a sickly girl. Yep. And... The fact that she's feeling so crappy is why she keeps taking the medication. And she's so, like, just from that little journal entry that we read, she is so, like, she's almost like, um, what's her name? Uh, Natalie Portman in The Black Swan. Like, yes. she so wants this role so bad that she's literally just like, I'm just going to take all this medication so I could be, like, you know, the prima diva or whatever of this opera. And it's like, wow, that's pretty... That's pretty deep, you know. It, it, you know, for, for for an antagonist character, yes, that that is, and you know, and because she, she was thinking that you know she's taking so much medication because she thinks that it's her kidney is is being rejected, right? Uh, and what ultimately, as we find out later on, it's you know it's Eve causing this, and the and the drugs that she's taking these are immunosuppressants. So you and you know. You know, sort of a real life parallel. You know, I'm on immunosuppressant medication for Crohn's disease, and it's like you don't take more. <laughs> yeah. So she she pops these the this these pills like M and M's, and it weakens her immune system to the point where Eve finally assumes control and takes over, and that's when you have the the scene where you know she breaks the piano. While she's uh, while it mid transformation, which is pretty cool. I love that scene. Yeah, because it's like right in that moment where she breaks the keys. It's like that's the switch. The, the switch has been flipped. Melissa's gone. Yeah, Melissa is is over at that point, and you know, forgetting in mind, you know, while this scene is going on, you know, going, you know, the opera house is still burning. <laughs> Like, 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 hello! <laughs> Building still on fire in the middle of winter. Yeah, come on. Uh, hello. You know, it's just, this is Christmas Eve. And, you know, nice play on words, Square. You know, Eve, Christmas Eve. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um, like, I, like, like you're f- I see what you did there. And so, you know, this becomes your main antagonist throughout the entire game as, as Eve becomes stronger and more powerful and, you know, then we get to, 
you find, you know, Aya is, you know, NYPD, and, you know, apparently nobody wears uniforms in, in that precinct at all. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. You, you like, ha- have Daniel, which is, you know, her, her kind of like her trusty sidekick in the lethal weapon fashion. I was going to say, I'm like, <laughs> the fact that his name is Daniel, I'm like, did they do that on purpose? Like Danny Glover? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they did. They, they had to have. <laughs> And, I have expected to come out like Riggs, Riggs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Aya. Uh, I'm sorry, I got the wrong name. That was my old partner. That was <laughs> like the, the like the only people who wear uniforms in this NYPD precinct are you know your gun dealer, you, uh, tra- uh, Torres, Wayne, yeah, and Kathy, uh, who was who, who was uh, the kennel. Right, right. <laughs> everyone, I'm like, so everyone else just gets a, and Aya is in like business casual. <laughs> she looks, she looks more like an investigator, honestly, than a than a freaking cop, basically. Yeah, she's a plain clothes cop, I guess. Well, the game points out that she's a rookie, and I'm like, wow, you're that level of of uh, of of you know rank already, where you could just walk around in your you know Friday casual. <laughs> she's only supposed to be like 25 right yeah she's 25 she's, she's pretty yep. young mm. you know so <laughs> but you know the game puts the, the plot nugget in your head it's like why is Aya the only one that survived the fire and oh Square you definitely did the thing with the green glowy eyes for, for <laughs> Melissa and Aya so uh, obviously there's a connection there and <laughs> yeah. and and who is this little girl that just appears and then fades? And what's with the flashbacks to the hospital? Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, they weren't subtle, but that's okay. No, the, <laughs> it's a short they, game. Uh, it, the, 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 the references to the many Japanese hor- horror themes there is uh, not so subtle either. <laughs> yeah, so, you know... We get the whole Daniel punching the reporter out. Yep, that, that's that's one f- of the best scenes. And you know, also, you know, going back to the police station, there's some dialogue between Daniel and Aya, and I'm like, are there no cars on this street? Oh, there, there were no cars on any of those. Any streets. street. I'm like, this is a city with a population of eight million people. How is a police car going down any street in Manhattan at that speed? <laughs> It's like I was expecting to see some taxis. They're just uh, beeping their horns at. I don't see a single messenger bike like riding by in front of them the minute they hit a stoplight. I mean, yeah, it's like, uh, like Daniel, how many accidents and people are you running over that you're just leaving in your wake, just like. Whatever. Um, well, that's the thing that cracks me up is there is one cut scene. I forget when it is, but there is one where like Daniel speeds out of the station in the car. And I'm like, there's not a single car on the road. Yeah. <laughs> like I just stopped. I'm like, that doesn't happen. I work in New York and I hear sirens literally stuck on the street. I'm like, I really hope nothing ever happens to me in New York because the ambulance wouldn't get to me. That's what New York is. Yeah. So game logic. Yeah. So you know the game is split up into six chapters, so the game takes place over six days. So 
You know, you had the, the, the opera, that was Christmas Eve, now we're on day two, which is Christmas Day. Um, so you find out that, you know, we have a scientist over at the American Museum of Natural History, and you, you meet Dr. Heinz Clamp. <laughs> Hans, not Heinz. Hans. Uh, Dr. Hans. And if this game was voice acted, I, my, I'm like, okay, your name is Hans. Why are you not being voiced by Alan Rickman? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if this game was voice acted? Because they definitely, I mean, they definitely put the inflections in the uh, in the text. Yes. I mean, it's like, Daniel's got a little bit of a Barrett thing going on where he's yeah. like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you know, I have to take a deep breath and I'm like, all right, I know, I know, but it was 1998, like, they didn't know how to treat our folks back then, quite, like, they were getting there, but they still gave us that voice. Yeah, they did, and, and I'm but... sure, and, I'm, and, and, you know, I'm sure, you know, I, I I felt the same as well, but Shanna, it's like, oh, yep, here we go, square with their, their token black thing again. Uh, yeah, I know, <laughs> but the, the, thing that, the thing that drives me crazy, or that cracks me up, is I'm like, I can sit here and play this game, and Final Fantasy VII, and overlook it, but a game that came out so much later, 13, I'm like, I can't handle this. It's like, you turned it up. What happened? Yeah, it's... Like, this is worse. <laughs> but anyways. We do speak proper grammatical English, you Japanese... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I get it. I get it. You know, we, we, let, let's break free of the stereotypical speech here. Like, stop it, man. Uh, really? <laughs> Yeah, we, 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 you are capable of syntax. Anyway. <laughs> so, Dr. Hans Clamp, and I'm like, oh, here we go. You've, in, you've, you've put in uh, a character that is very obviously very German. And, uh... <laughs> like, like this is a scream, oh, crap, here we go. Yeah, like, I, uh, right, you know, by this point, my brain is, is, get, is, is just screaming, oh, Japan, over and over again. Yeah, I know, again. it's like... <laughs> Of and of course, he's like the one who we're worried about. I'm like, again, the German is kind of like the shifty bad guy here. It's yeah. like, you know, it, it, it's kind of, it's kind of like, oh, there are no, there is no homage to to the to the to World War Two in this at all. None at all. Yeah, bullshit. No, not a bit. It's like, oh, oh no, oh no, here we go. A, a, a German character talking about you, like genetics and. And you know. experimentation in that. Oh yeah, no, we're not we're not referencing any we're not referencing okay, any know. World it's War Two. Beings, it's a bit it's a bit on the on the nose, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and you know, Hans, uh, Doctor Clamp, very uptight, but Aya recognizes him. So again, plot nugget. It's like I I recognize your face, but I don't know why. And you know, but he's a very very uptight, very angry person, and. You know, is it is it sad that I could honestly, if he was like voice acted, I could honestly just hear him screaming so anger angrily in German and like stuff that's going on there and stuff like that? I'd be like, oh god, yep, here we go. Like like just wait for I know nothing. And <laughs> so you also find out that there is going to be a concert in Central Park, and Melissa Pierce is going to be the one singing at it. And oh, that doesn't that doesn't give off any red red flags. No, not at all. So, I, so I'm going. Wait a minute. 
the opera that she was just in the night before, <laughs> that the the, the 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 one that had the spontaneous combustion and the and the fire damage to the to the performing venue. You mean she's gonna be performing the very next evening in Central Park? And she's got a packed house. Like nobody read the newspaper and was like, hmm, maybe we ought to cancel. I mean, it's Central Park. I, I can't imagine that you'd have like typically you don't have to pay for tickets and things like that. You could probably just say, I'm not going. <laughs> you know, and here we get introduced to uh, Daniel's son, Ben. You know, and you find out that Ben's, you know, Ben's parents are divorced, but, you know, he wants to spend some time with his parents. So he's like, yeah, come on, you know, dad and mom, you know, come to the park. And Daniel says, you know, I can't because I'm busy. Ben throws a tantrum. So it's Ben and his mother, which you find out named Lorraine. They go to the park. And again, I'm going again. The singer was just in the thing the night before. What are... Do none of you read the Post <laughs> or the New York Times or the Daily News? I'm sure somebody would have had a 900 point font headline, you know, about spontaneous human combustion. <laughs> but, but but no, everyone wants. Oh, it's Christmas. That's okay. Combustion happens all the time, and so you go to. It, it. Yeah, and then once you get to Central Park, you find out oh, combustion is not gonna happen. No, it's something ten times is something gro- more gross, something grosser than combustion. Yeah, well, it's like you get there and an immediate red flag. Daniel tries to go into the park with Aya, but his arm catches on fire. <laughs> that part was kind of awesome. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, his arm catches on fire, so it's like as soon as you cross the threshold. I'm like, what does does Melissa have have like this invisible field around? Yes, she does apparently, because I can be like, ha, 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 your mitochondria sucks, Daniel, and walks right in. <laughs> your genes are inferior to mine. Yeah, just wa- yeah, just walks in like she owns the place. We get to Central Park. There's another concert, and but. Melissa has already transformed into Eve at this point, so she no longer looks like a regular human. But that doesn't stop a packed Central Park from watching this, and so she starts singing, and I'm like, oh, here we go with the opera again. They're probably thinking, wow, those special effects are great. It's amazing. Just like, (laughs) how how can she float in the... Those are some nice wires that... How is she floating up there? What... Never mind the like the horns out of her head and just <laughs> anything like yeah, but prosthetics. They're just prosthetics. We're good. They're and, all prosthetics. It's just a costume. It's all it's all prosthetics. It's just to add to the flair of a theater. Yes. And, and you know I love music and I can be rendered an emotional puddle of goo when I hear a good song. <laughs> You know, a beautiful, a beautiful orchestra or a singing voice. Then this happened. Then you know. Then the game takes this this one step further and reduces the entire audience to actual goo. <laughs> Talk about EM becoming an emotional mess, literally. <laughs> like, oh, we're not on fire. Everyone's just bleh, except for the kid. The kid. Oh yeah, he's fine. The kid escapes unscathed. So. 
What about his mitochondria? <laughs> that is a good point. I never thought about that. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought. I'm like, wait a minute. Well, I mean, the game says that, you know, he felt sick, so he he uh, he left the uh, the concert. But again, why isn't mommy going after him? <laughs> like, Right. But again, minor details. <laughs> it, it's New York City. You can leave your kid, you know, unattended. That's fine. Fine. Dad's a cop. Yep. <laughs> Dad's a cop. You know, my dad can beat up your dad. I get it. But anyway... Lorraine and the rest of the audience is turned to, to just a big pile of goo because they're just so overwhelmed at this beautiful singing that they lose everything. And then we get probably one of, the, one of my favorite boss battles in the game. Because while you're getting exposition while you're trying to fight Eve. Oh, and by the way, your horse is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> You are on a burning horse ride. Now, I'm like, you know, if this was Halloween, this would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's another great, like, New York thing. I mean, that's one thing you have to give this game is it is rich in, like, New York things. Yes. So you go to Central Park and you see those horse-drawn carriages everywhere. They're literally, like, lined up along the yep. park. It's one of the attractions. So yeah, you get in the. She's like, "Oh, come on in, join me for a cart ride." And you get in the, you get in the cart, and that horse just goes up in flames and just takes off. And it's just like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> this is not your typical nice Central Park carriage ride." It's like. Meanwhile, you know what you don't see off camera is Vince Clortho from Ghostbusters. <laughs> 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 talking to another uh, cab driver who has not been reduced to goo, screaming you will perish in flames. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, this horse is actually on fire, and oh, by the way, you're in a boss battle. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that they did um, for Parasite Eve. They said it in the in the wrong season. It should have. It definitely should have been a Halloween thing like, instead of a Christmas. Thing. Like like haunted hayride. This would have been perfect. But whatever. It's cold. <laughs> yeah. It's cold. The horse probably needs to be warmed up, and that's probably the quickest way to do it. So <laughs> we get this battle. We get some more exposition about the mitochondria and the connection that these two characters have. And, but, you know, the horse finally realizes that it can't keep this up. The cart falls over, Aya is thrown from it, and, um, we meet, we get, we get introduced to the nerd. I, I love the nerd. I, I, so, I do, uh, Kunihiko Maeda, and you're in this apartment, this very, very trashy, apartment where your only source of heat is coming from a barrel in the middle of the apartment. Apparently this is in Soho. <laughs> I don't know. If, I mean, what was Soho like in the 90s? I, I mean, so much of New York has been gentrified at this point. Yes. Was, was Soho a dump in 1998? I really, like, I don't remember. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I was in eighth grade. I wasn't going to New York City. Oh. Same here. <laughs> you know, uh, according to, according to uh, sor 
According to sources, uh, Soho was a place that had many lofts that had uh, artists and art galleries. So the starving artist uh, trope came from that area, I'm assuming. Ah, rent, 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 rent. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> Basically, but, you know, Io has some more flashbacks. You know, there's, the, again, the good doctor. And... <laughs> You wake up and, you know, Aya is just in some random dude's apartment. Not creepy at all. Not, not, <laughs> not creepy at all. And apparently Daniel knows. Daniel is knows where Aya is and, you know, makes an appearance and he introduces himself. And, you know, the nerd trope with Maeda is just so on point. <laughs> It is adorable, though. <laughs> like, he does everything except the nosebleed because he sees the hotness that is Aya. <laughs> Just... So... But, you know, his entry scene... or Well, no, he's not. It's later on. You know, when the New York City is given the order to evacuate. And I'm just going, ah, that's very convenient square. Now you don't have to render all those cars because everyone's getting the hell out. Um, well, okay, there was one line that came up at some point that just I I was cracking up. And I think it was when it was one of the points where they were meeting with the police chief. Okay. And he said some, I think it was when they were talking about evacuating the city. He's like, oh, well, it shouldn't be so bad. Most of the people are out of the city for Christmas anyway. Yes. And I, I literally sat there and I went, ha! Because, okay, again, I work in New York. I see this. Manhattan has more people in the city. Yeah. During the holidays between Rockefeller and the Christmas lighting and the Radio City show and everyone who wants to come in and shop and, oh, let's bring our kids to the city. So, New York is madness during yeah. Christmas. Time. I'm like, New York City is... Can attest, yes it is. New York City, are 8 million people normally, but around the holidays, it's like, what, what do you mean most people have left? Japan, do you not know how New York City works? I know. <laughs> you know, most people have... Yeah, most people have already left the city, yet that doesn't stop later on in the game showing a cutscene of, like, bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic on one of yeah. the major bridges. So, okay, most of the city has evacuated my ass. That's just normal rush hour. Um, <laughs> that's just the GW on a Thursday night, man. <laughs> yeah! That's just... Ugh. So, you move into day three. I is in this you know, apartment with in Soho with Daniel and Maeda. And then here comes Maeda with the additional science. And, right. and this is this is the first major uh, connection to the novel um, where Maeda is describing that there was a scientist who, in Japan. There was a scientist that tried to culture the cells of his wife after she was involved in a car accident and the mitochondria in her cells took over her body. So in doing so, these liver cells that were taken from this scientist's dead wife had the evolved mitochondria and would become... Eve. So that is your first throwback to the novel right there. Right. So Maeda thinks that Eve, now here in New York, may be trying to give birth to an ultimate being again. <laughs> because it happens in the novel. So now you got um, Aya, Daniel, and Maeda now going back to the museum. And... 
Which there is an Easter egg on the Natural History Museum. Is there? What is it? Um, when you zoom in or when you go there on the map, you know, like when you're going between the different areas on the map, when it zooms in on the museum, there's a little um, like poster hanging from the top of it, and it's a chocobo. It's a flag with a chocobo on it. I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is square. <laughs> I, I, I'll have to go. I'll ha actually have to go to the actual museum of, of natural history and see if they've got a chocobo exhibit. <laughs> I wish. I, 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 I don't I, think it's actually there. <laughs> I know. I didn't actually notice that Easter egg. So so good on you. But you know, they actually go to the museum to see if they can get into the doctor's lab, not knowing that the doctor that Doctor Clamp never actually evacuated the city. Right. <laughs> So, there's some more dialogue, and uh, you get some cutscenes because Maeda does uh, he does a little experiment so he can look at the cell, uh, look at Aya's cells under the microscope, under the microscope, and you see like, ooh, the mitochondria, ooh. <laughs> hey man, yep. they're like, we can do it. We got the cutscenes. We have the technology. We do. We're just like, let's. We have the technology we to have, do this. We have the technology. Let's try to make this not look like Fantastic Voyage, and go from there. So, the Doctor breaks. Like, what are you doing in my lab? And it's like, what are you doing still in the city? It's basically a, a DD get out of my room sort of situation <laughs> when you really think about it. The way he comes in. Also, time out. New York City's been given an evacuation order. Does Why did that apparently give the NYPD license to just break into a gun shop and a pharmacy <laughs> in Soho? Oh, I, I, I love the, the just absolute freedom of the cops in this game. They're like, oh, well, I can't get into this into this weapon shot. I'm just going to shoot out the window. Yeah. Dan, I made the door. Yeah. I'm just like... You know, and I said, I posted this on Facebook. Like, really? Uh, uh, no one's in the city. Oh, we need to get, we need to get weapons. Uh, and even I is like, Daniel, don't. And he's like, sorry, I. You know, we have to just shoots the door. <laughs> uh, I'm like, like you know, those pharmacists are gonna come back at some point, right? And I'm like, say, what happened to my store? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you're gonna be like, okay. And the gun shop owner's gonna be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Not knowing that it was the fucking police that broke yeah. in and just helped themselves. Like, hey! <laughs> and what was the line that was like at the beginning when um, Aya's going, when Aya first went to get like her uh, got her weapons modified? That, um, who was it? Was it uh, Wayne? I forget who the other one was. Oh, Torres. 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 The, the best line uh, that you're mentioning is just like, oh, the irony. Torres goes, remember, cops. Cops only use gu use guns only to defend themselves. They don't let guns use them. <laughs> Whereas Daniel, oh the irony. Whereas Daniel's just like oh, I'm gonna help myself and <laughs> and all right, fine. Breaking and entering. That's the NYPD way, apparently. So no knock entering. Yeah, just like oh, we're cops. We can do whatever. You're not above the law, idiots. Uh, <laughs> But whatever. Back to the back to the museum. You know, you angry doctor, and you know again the doctor kicks them out because you know he answers some questions, but again it's very you know uptight and ah! and so like fine, go back to the police station, and the police station's in shambles. <laughs> 
And I'm like, oh, well, somebody must have attacked. Wink. Wink, wink, wink. I wonder who. <laughs> you wonder, wonder who. And it's like, okay, we've got the, the monsters again. And, you know, meanwhile, Ben is chasing down um, one of the, the dogs, Shiva. Oh, my God. <laughs> the minute that... Because they, they make it clear, like, you know... Because if you go around and you explore the police station, you see that there's, you know, there's the police dogs in there, there's canines, and I was just like, hmm, I'm, this is going to lead to something. And then all of a sudden, there's this big scene where Ben comes in, and he's just like, nice doggy, nice doggy. And the guy's like, I think he likes you. And I was like, no! No! <laughs> this is not going to end well. And, and, and lo and behold, it doesn't. But the again... <laughs> This is not a this is not a thing with this game. This is the thing with with RPGs in general. It's like, yeah, it's this is like oh a very bad thing is happening. But no, but take all the time you need to explore. Yeah, <laughs> take all the time you need to explore. Never mind that a dog is mutating into Kerberos, uh, right there. Just no, explore. Go. You have fun. Enjoy. <laughs> And, you know, finally you get to the third floor and, oh, nice doggy isn't so nice anymore. And Ben's like, it hurt Uncle Baker. And I, Uncle? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, Daniel and, and Baker know each other, have known each other for many, 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 many years. But Uncle Baker, he's like, Uncle Baker is hurt. And I'm like, no, he's actually just just a flesh wound. He's fine. <laughs> he's standing, he's standing upright and conversing. <laughs> Whatever, whatever you put the dog down. Ah, I know. You do need to put the dog down. <laughs> you, you do have to put the dog down, and oh, by the way, Torres is killed. Yeah. And Wayne's just like, "You fool! If we had guns!" <laughs> yeah, it definitely was one of those moments <laughs> where it's like, "Oh, great, the pacifist just died." Yeah. Oh, great. Now you have, you know, NRA wannabe. Uh, yes, I said it. Um, <laughs> yeah, you have the pacifist dies, and you know the NRA gun nut police officer takes over. But you find out why Torres was so adamant about using guns as little as possible, and you find out that you know he accidentally shot and killed his daughter. Right. And, you know, at that point, he just takes pretty much a vow never to shoot a gun again unless he has to. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of like the saddest moment in the entire game. Yeah. I'm like, oh. And that's one thing you have to hand it to this game. I mean, it's not very long, but they they put a lot of storyline in it. And it doesn't feel overly, like, it doesn't feel overly packed. But it makes the it makes the world feel a little bit more whole like the fact that you do have like okay there is some backstory with daniel and uh, and chief baker and like there's little pieces that all kind of make all the characters have a little bit more motivation and you understand them a little more rather than just having a bunch of people around you know what i mean yeah i i, I agree i mean in this game square actually made up a, a pretty decent attempt to give its npcs 
with the exception of the unnamed guy at the start of the game. A bit of personality and, you know, some story to make them, you know, feel a bit more personal, you know, a little bit of like an emotional attachment. Like you actually feel for a little bit, you feel bad that, you know, you get a bit of Torres's backstory about why he's so adamant about not using guns. And it's like, oh, well, that, right. that, that sucks. And Torres could have easily just been a blank NPC because really all he's there for is to like tune up your gun and to sort of hold your equipment. They didn't need to give him a story, but it's cool that they did. It's cool that they did. And, and, and even then, you know, you find out and even, you know, you know, NRA wannabe, you know, even even to- even tones down a little bit. It's just like, yeah. oh, like, oh, okay, good, good. Yeah, he he didn't do the ha ha. He's gone now. I can own all of these. Ha ah. <laughs> Second Amendment. Fuck yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, now you know the. All the while, you know, this game is moving pretty quickly. It's like, now you've gotten halfway through, you've beaten, you've gone through the first three days, and, you know, now on on the fourth day, it's, you know, you go explore a hospital, St. Francis Hospital, and you go, oh, I has been having memories in a hospital setting. Hmm. Hmm, I wonder what's gonna happen here. But the reason why you're visiting the hospital is Maeda thinks that Eve is going to try to get sperm out of the sperm bank in the hospital to use for the ultimate being. Which, again, another throwback to the novel, where the Eve persona in the novel is, you know, she's trying to give birth to, you know, this creature and she needs sperm to do it. However, in the novel, she doesn't go to a sperm bank. She takes on the form of the scientist's dead wife and rapes him. Oh, wow. And rapes him for it. Yeah. So, obviously you can't do that in a mass market video game. So, (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) So, okay, sperm bank in a hospital. That's that's pretty innocuous. Uh, Okay, fine. It advances the story just as well. Without, with, without all of the horrible, horrible, visceral emotions that come with rape. <laughs> you know. Right, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's not a joking matter there. So, when you are at the hospital, though, then a lot of what the game has been leading up to this point come together. You find Aya's memory uh, comes back a bit more, and you she realizes that, oh... This was the doctor that did a transplant on, it took Maya's kidney out and gave it to Melissa and it's like, oh, and you find out, you know, why, why does this hospital have notes on my sister? And who was the doctor that, oh, Clamp, and oh, oh, oh. Yeah, Clamp. Doctor, Doctor. <laughs> Dr. Clamp has been playing the long game here. But he was an intern, I believe, right? He was. I think they said, like, oh, he was, like, because he's like, oh, this intern came in, and he started to work on us, and then, like, you see him walk in with the white lab coat, and it's like, 
You can hear the soap opera organs as he walks in. Yes. <laughs> yes, you absolutely can. It's like, oh, it's General Hospital. And... <laughs> and... But meanwhile, I'm playing this game through for the second time, and I'm going, wait a minute. They let him become a doctor? Like, there is so much... <laughs> there is so much ethically wrong here. <laughs> Like, how did he get to this point? But, you know, whatever, Japan. And, uh... Yep. <laughs> oh, Japan. And, you know, the long and the short of it is, is that, you know... And and you find out here as well that Eve has a bit of a nasty streak. It's just, when you get to the hospital, you know, again, Maeda can't enter the hospital. Otherwise, he's going to burst into flame. But he keeps giving Eve these good luck charms. <laughs> Oh my god, I got so annoyed with those good luck charms. He keeps giving Eve these good luck charms. Like, oh, these will protect you. And, you know, you wind up with, like, three or four of these over the course of the game. And, spoiler alert, they do nothing. <laughs> and on top of that, you only have so much inventory space in this game. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just like, there's one, there's one less medicine that I can pick up. Thanks. I'm, and I keep... Like, I don't want to get rid of it. It seems like a key item, but yeah. But, but no. no, actually, they do nothing. They're just there. <laughs> That's They do not do anything for your defense or any of Aya's stats. It just takes up an item slot. And that was just annoying because like, oh, here, take this item. Great. I don't have any way of getting rid of this until I go back to the police station. Thank you. Thank you very much. Unless you drop it in one of the boxes, or can you not drop it in a box? I I don't know actually. I'll have to I'll have to check that. But I never tried that. Yeah, like I never swapped it out for like a medicine or anything like that. Like I don't think you can drop key items in boxes. I don't think so. I know you can get rid of them. You can put them in storage at the police station, but I don't think you can do that in a box. Yeah. But. So Eve's got a bit of a nasty streak, because once Aya gets in, like, the first elevator, like, Eve breaks the cable and Aya drops a floor, but she then turns the power out, so you have to do some navigating in the basement to restore power, and Eve's just like, <laughs> enjoy. And I'm like, oh. Ooh. Well. You She's got some sass to her. Oh, you, you slimy bitch. All right. We're going we're gonna to play this game. All right. I think she even has, like, one of those, like, lines where I, I, I think it's when you run to the stairs and they collapse and she says, like, going anywhere. Or is it like a yeah. classic silly villain line? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, suddenly, suddenly Eve has become cartoonishly evil. Yeah. Like if she had a snidely whiplash mustache, she'd this like be a like a twirling mustache moment. Like, <laughs> you see. <laughs> Next, I shall tie you to the train tracks. <laughs> ha ha! And you know, you go through this, and again, you see Maya again, just you know, guiding the way, and then fades into nothing. But the, the hospital is really elaborate. It's like, oh, I have to turn off the liquid nitrogen valve. And... Uh, yeah, that you kind of don't want to freeze to death with that. Like, 
like I have to turn off the nit liquid nitrogen because that'll turn off the coolant to the sperm bank and the sperm will be ruined and Eve can't get so haha <laughs> but as always you are one step behind in this game well isn't there um I'm trying to remember I think when you're actually when the power goes out and the hospital because it's kind of funny you have a little bit of a I guess Zelda-esque you have to find all the pieces and you know, like find all the fuses and all that and then put it all together. But um, I think if you don't turn the power off, like turn the switch off before you put the fuses in, you elect. Oh, I get electrocuted and it's an instant game over. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did that the first time I played the game where I was like, what? what? You, yeah, you, like, <laughs> you, you have to put your, yeah, you have to do that in the correct order. Otherwise you will be right. zapped. Like, yeah, like, Fuses first, then reconnect the wire. Exactly, then, that's what it is, yeah. <laughs> if you do that in the wrong order, you will be zapped. Yeah. Like, it's one of the very few places in the game where you could get an immediate game over. Like, oh, you, yeah, you just fried yeah. yourself. Yeah. I mean, understandable, but very annoying, nonetheless. But it's crazy because I don't recall that there's anywhere. Usually games will give you a hint towards that. Like, hey, here's a note from the electrician. Oh, it says make sure that you don't put the fuses in before you connect the wire or something like that. No, nope. I don't remember there being any warning. Nope. <laughs> like you just kind of had to be smart and think to yourself, how does electricity work? Yep. This wasn't one of those walk you through the puzzle. This was, you know... Think common, think common sense. What do you do first? You know. Right. <laughs> but whatever. Ultimately, though, all of your searching and trying to stop Eve from getting the special sperm come to naught. We have a... You get to the top of the hospital and you have a boss battle in the form of a giant spider. <laughs> because, sure. Of, Why not? Of course, there's a giant spider sitting on top of the hospital. You beat that, it falls through the floor, bunk, through the roof. <laughs> and another scene with Aya. Now, by this point, um, the U.S. Navy has been called in. Right. And, and you get a cutscene with some jets, and you see the, the, the pilots really having fun with the fact that New York City is yep. evacuated. The Air Force comes in, yeah. <laughs> and, like, you see, like, yeah! And weird you actually see like they fly so low that they cause like a couple of accidents with taxi cabs and i'm like wait a minute i thought the city was supposed to be evacuated <laughs> except for the cabbies the cabbies remain yeah gaining no money because everyone's evacuated now so let's see you have the nypd uh taking free reign you have the u.s navy and the air force going Fuck yeah, this is our playground now. Flying way too low. <laughs> I'm like, oh boy. Just never, never, ever. No, just no. But, you know, Eve then just kind of looks at one of the fighter pilots and he becomes goo. Because that's the level of power she has and it causes another fighter jet to crash into the one that is crashing. Yeah. And here's a here's a here's your other mo another moment where you have an instant game over because that fighter jet is going to crash into the hospital. 
And you can actually hear the sound of the jet getting louder as you are make, trying to get off the roof. Because the game only gives you about 30 seconds to get off the roof, and you cannot go back the way you came. Yeah. I made that mistake the first time I played this game. I tried going back, and I'm like, where the hell is I can't... And, you know, then I saw where I had to get off, but I was, like, two seconds too late. Like, I was about to jump off the roof, and then it cut to the cutscene where the fighter jet crashes into Aya, and, uh, well, game over. And again, this was, there was no hints or clues. It was just Aya saying, I have to go. Yeah. (laughs) Basically. Yeah, Aya basically said, that fighter jet's getting closer, I need to get off the roof. Right, and that's all you get. (laughs) Yeah, you don't get, like, any, you don't get a timer or anything like that. You just hear the jet, the, the, the sound effect getting louder and louder and louder. And then it's like, oh, shit. And then followed by the realization of, oh, fuck, I got to do that boss battle again. Oh, that's the worst. There is no saving right after that or anything. No. And again, it's not like there's ever a point where you are searching a room in the hospital and there's a thing on the desk that says, oh, by the way, Dr. Such and Such, don't forget, there's an exit on this side of the roof in case you ever need it. Because usually games always throw that kind of stuff in there, but... (laughs) You just had to figure it out this was back after in our- the adrenaline of beating that spider. Yeah, this is back in the day when, you know, games were games. and <laughs> <laughs> We didn't need no stinking hand-holding. We figured things out ourselves, and we died a billion times doing it. <laughs> Trial and error is the, as many of the old-school gamers go, Trial and error is the best way to figure out how to play a game. <laughs> Also, if if you guys remember in the hospital, near the boss, there's like this little cut where Aya looks out a window and sees a very glowing top of the Chrysler building. I, yep. <laughs> and you and obviously the top of a building is glowing. That usually is an indication of hey, important. Yeah. Like, am I going there later? Ha ha. But, you know, that's the end of day four. And I am going to stop the first half here. We have gone an hour. And, you know, we're already two thirds of the way through the game. <laughs> like, you you like, and if you own the physical discs, you're going, okay. It's the game takes place over six days. They tell you that in the beginning. Why is why is there a second disc? Ah, the good old days. Yeah, the, the good old <laughs> days indeed. So, all right, we will cut to break here. In the meantime, you will have some music. We'll definitely be talking about the music because one of my favorite composers wrote the score for it. So, you'll get some of that. Uh, we will cut to break. We will be sure not we we will not be piles of goo when we return. Promise. I can't promise that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> it might. Okay. You might have just me. The other two might be sludge. So you know, I I I can't promise you that, but I can promise you that we will have a second half. So you're listening to our twentieth anniversary retrospective of Parasite Eve. 
here on DLC. We'll be back. back to DLC talking about Parasite Eve as it celebrates its 20th anniversary. I think we're all still here. I don't think uh, we, at least I certainly am not on fire or a puddle of sentient goo. Um, I don't know. Nope, I, did, I didn't rapidly combust, strangely enough, even though I, I even though I know it's like, yeah, f- from the gameplay, it's like, yeah, apparently all the males because of their mitochondria burst into flames. I got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I, I have to, to be a little, we have to be a little careful here. I mean, you know, you know, Shanna, you know, Shanna and I, I mean, Shanna and I, we used to, we went to the same high school. We both did choir and the musicals and whatnot. She could start singing and I might burst into flame. <laughs> Luckily for you guys, I'm not a soprano. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I, I might be. I was- I might be a little bit w- more worried if Nader was on this podcast. and uh, <laughs> Nader would take us out, and Nader still sings, so she practices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, that, but, okay, good. Yeah, I mean, you, you're, like, we have, like, apparently sopranos can ignite people. Altos can't. I don't know what the, uh, I, I don't know. But whatever. The frequency doesn't get high enough to burst you guys into flames. So. Um. <laughs> That doesn't mean you can that you that means you can stop trying. <laughs> That'd be one hell of a mutant power. 
But I digress. Mm. <laughs> I digress. So we get to day five, and you know, if you've been as you're playing along, you notice that each day has a different name. You know, the day one was resonance. Um Day two is fusion, day three is selection, day four is conception, day five is evolution. Now, at this point in the game, it sort of gives you free reign to explore basically the entire map. Um, but, number one, the police station is completely restored. Yeah, it is. That took no time. It was a day. <laughs> it was, it was, it, yeah. Like, day three, I mean, day four was the whole, uh, no, it was day three that you had the police station, you know, in shambles and broken and property destroyed. Day four, you're in the hospital, but day five, good as new. Like, Although it, the guy at the front desk, I don't think he ever comes back. No, he doesn't. He does? No, he doesn't. He yeah, does. there's a guy that basically... I mean, he doesn't do anything. It's just basically every time you walk in there, he goes like, hey, working hard or hardly working or something like that. Yeah. But I don't think... <laughs> but he kind of just disappears after that attack. I guess he got killed. I don't know. Yeah, and there's nobody manning the front desk, so... Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> but now at this point, you are free to explore the entire map. And the game gives you, again, no direction at all. As to uh, as to where to go, but if you're if you look at the locations on the map, you notice two locations that you have not uh, been to. There's a warehouse and there's Chinatown. Chinatown advances the plot. The warehouse is the is the side quest, like the lone side quest, essentially. <laughs> The it, first uh, on the first least. playthrough, yes. The warehouse yeah. is, the, is the lone side quest. Um, not required, but if you do the warehouse, it's... <laughs> I did. And you know, you get there, and the, like, the one lone police officer or, or two that are standing out in front of the warehouse, just like, oh, Eve's in there! And they run for their lives. New York's bravest. He was basically, he's basically <laughs> just like, bravest. you take over now, bye. But yeah, like, oh, you're here, see ya. And, and they run. <laughs> you know, this is, uh, this is the other kind of NYPD officer, the kind who probably doesn't break and enter gun shops and pharmacies. <laughs> this is probably a fettle who's like two months away from retirement and doesn't really want to deal with this shit. <laughs> but when you see what's inside, you can see why he's scared. Oh yeah. Pretty creepy, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, it's you get you know some pretty tough enemies. Uh, you pick up some new weaponry. You pick up some new armor, and you you know you you don't find Eve, but you find a crab, <laughs> a giant crab, <laughs> in which the basic strategy of the boss. I mean, the, it's got a lot of HP, but. If you manage to stay near one of its claws, you won't get hit, ever. Although it did creep me out when its eyes pop out of its head and shoot lasers. <laughs> yes, yes, that is a bit creepy. But that's like, okay, you can absorb the hit from those lasers. It's that bubbly 
thing that emanates from its claws that are the killer because it it inflicts a defense down status. Yeah, yeah, that's the worst. And in this, in Parasite Eve, that is probably the worst status because if you get defense down, your defense is down. Every <laughs> yeah, every hit is like a major blow. Yeah. It's not like, oh, these hits do a little more damage. It's, oh, crap. Uh, three of these and I'm dead. Exactly. Which, you know, all the while as you're playing through this game and going through battles and leveling up, you know, Aya gains uh, Parasite Energy abilities because of her super special mitochondria. And which come in very handy, especially <laughs> end game. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, I found personally that I, the only ones that I ever really used on a pretty regular basis were like the healing ones, occasionally the barrier or haste. Same here, yeah. Like, or, um, I and, used detox a lot whenever she got poisoned. Yep, any yeah, detox. And then later on, when you get medic, which uh, removes all status effects. Mm hmm. And, like, for the early bosses, energy shot was a really powerful attack. But it's like, okay, most of these enemies and bosses you could handle with brute force. For the most part. For the most part. But, you know, you get that defense down on you and it's like, no, get this off of me immediately. So you, you beat the crab and you gain a rocket launcher. Ooh, that Yay. sounds fun. <laughs> you, for your trouble, you gain a rocket launcher. Now, if you've played any any survival horror game, you know that the rocket launcher is not meant to be used for just piddling small shit. Because if you've played any of these games before, you know that you only have a very finite amount of ammo and you're not getting any more. Right. <laughs> Yep. Like, you get this rocket launcher, and you get a maximum of ten rockets. <laughs> like, the only way you will get more rockets is if you play extra game and go into the Chrysler building. So, this is a weapon of last resource. Which stinks, because I definitely, um, I, at one point when I was playing, I equipped it by mistake and didn't realize it, and I ended up wasting one of my rockets <laughs> on a rat. I was uh, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> well, there's nothing like, left of that rat. <laughs> I mean, that yeah, rat that... was dead, but... Remember, there is no such thing as overkill. It is only open, fire, and reload. <laughs> uh, basically, yeah. Yeah, you can do that. I felt bad for the rat. <laughs> yeah, well, well, the rat was trying to kill you, so... Eh. Yeah, rat, I don't feel bad. Rat shooting fire out of its tail. You know, you can... <laughs> <laughs> but it's, the, 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 the rocket launcher, you only have ten of these. Ten, ten rockets, so this is, like, definitely weapon of last resort. Also, each weapon... Eh, yeah, each weapon uh, has a different rate at which your active time bar uh, meter fills up. And if you equip the rocket launcher, it slows the AT bar down very noticeably. 
Right. Because you because you, you do so much damage each turn that the game's going to be like, no, we're not letting you refill this quickly. <laughs> yeah. Unless you use haste. <laughs> it's basically like the game saying, oh, I don't care that we're sure. You are not getting overpowered in this. I refuse to let you break the game. <laughs> because this is, this. I mean, you can't even use tools or bonus points to up the uh well you can't use tools you can use bonus points to raise the ability of the rocket launcher but even then it's like the game's not going to let you become ridiculous but you only get 10 of these so it's like okay i'm gonna pocket this for later or use it on a rat take your pick <laughs> that was my mistake <laughs> i didn't mean to yes well you know, just but you know, taking a break from from the game story for a bit, it's like the the way that it incorporated the RPG elements, I thought was pretty good. I mean, you gain, you know, you level up, you gain abilities as you level up, but you also gain bonus points on each level up that you could use to yeah. either uh, increase the stats of your weapons or your armor. Or you could use those bonus points toward increasing Aya's item capacity or base uh, base rate of the time uh, the active time bar refresh. So I thought those were actually pretty good. Yeah, I definitely used it a lot for the item capacity. Yes, you, you, absolutely. You, that and I think that's for all my points. It was that or VATB. Yeah, I mean, you could never have too many items in a game, especially, you know, if you manage to get revives, you try to hold on to them as... Yes. <laughs> as as best you could. Unfortunately, I went into the final boss with no revives, but... Uh, oh, shit. A uh, bit of a challenge. Doable, but, you know, do mm, not recommended. Uh, and that's the thing about this game, is that, um, like, I tend to be... In terms of RPGs, I tend to be a little bit of a hoarder, and this game does not allow you to do that. Like I'm the one who, like when I went up against Sephiroth, I had 99 tents. You know, <laughs> like there's no need to have 99 tents, but I had them. But it drove me crazy because I'm sitting there and I'm like, I, I have no room. I have no room. And then every time I turned around, well, what's his name? Maeda was like, here, have this charm. I'm like, I don't want your damn charm. You're taking away space for medicine. Like, stop giving me this crap. Yeah, stop giving, stop so, giving me this shit. So, yeah, but that made the game tougher for me because I'm like, okay, I can't load up on on curatives and think I'm going to be okay. Like, I really got to play strategically. You absolutely do. And also, the game, also enemies drop junk. Like, literal junk. Yes. Yeah. And the junk actually has a function. So as much as you want to get rid of it, you're like, I could go and turn this into Wayne, and mm. I never got whatever you're supposed to get at the end. I think he, like, gives you a crazy weapon or something. Yeah, but... that's after you collect 300 of them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I was just like, no, anytime an enemy drop junk, I'm just like, no, fuck it. No, I'm not keep. No. <laughs> I've already got Maeda's bullshit in my inventory. I'm not... <laughs> just, no. I, I think also another thing that's uh, a little frustrating about this game is that because there's like only that one loads, lone side quest, it's like the game literally will not let you get overpowered 
when it comes to like going against the final bosses for this one because they're like every other square game like with final, with final fantasy and stuff like that it's like okay the first rule of final fantasy when you get to when you get towards the middle do the side quest if not do the side quest and do them early because then that way you can be overpowered and the final and like the final story boss will be easy to kill this game is like ah, ah, we're gonna get we're gonna make you in a challenge for you we're not gonna let you get off easy without being overpowered yeah i mean absolutely yeah i mean you can grind i mean you can once you have the ability to go anywhere on the map you can go to other locations and grind but man, it is not worth your while. <laughs> it is really not worth it. You can do it, but man, that's that's work. It is. Yeah. That grinding the most annoying thing about RPGs ever. <laughs> like, there's not even a place in this game where any one location is like that one location with enemies that drop a fuck ton of exp so that you can yeah. yeah there's none of that it's just you can grind the game will let you grind my god it's not worth it <laughs> it's not worth it unless you are an absolute completionist and you want to you want to do the 77 floor chrysler building in the extra game where you want to get aya ridiculously overpowered <laughs> but no, I mean I I really like the the added elements the, the the RPG elements that Square put in. It did not feel like it was tacked on. It felt like it was an integral yeah. part of the gameplay, mm. and it made sense. That is just like as as Aya realizes more about her body and science, you can uh, <laughs> let these 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 things happen. So. <laughs> And, you know, the ability to tune up weapons. That was something that I think that this game had over Resident Evil, which I love. I love Resident Evil. It's one of my favorite franchises. In the early games, you can't tune up your weapons. Yeah. You can't... Th your, your weapons... You don't even have armor to use. And it's like... Not even Leon, and Leon's the fucking police officer. But... Like your your weapons and your armor have slots that you can use tools to cannibalize other items, so that you you can gain ability. Like you know, give your weapon um, the ability to fire up to five bullets, and um, you know, try to inflict a tranquilizer effect or a freeze effect or. Yeah, I definitely got one of my rifles was uh, five bullets. With uh, with the ice effect, so I'm like firing five ice bullets at the same time. I'm just like, yeah, that was satisfying. Fun fact, though, they, I mean, if you, I mean, obviously you've beaten the game, so, but as as satisfying as having any of your weapons fire five bullets at once is, it actually drops the attack power per bullet. Uh. Yeah, I know. So it's like, yeah, I can shoot five bullets at once, but each bullet does less damage. Yeah. Over, I'm like, oh. So it's like the sweet spot was like having your weapon fire two or three. Yeah. But 
I'll tell you what though, it's so like when you later on in the game when you start getting things like grenade launchers that use the <laughs> that use the same ammo cache as your handgun, that it's like throwing five grenades out is just like ha <laughs> Well the other flip side of it was when I did have um when I did have the five bullet gun, you're stuck at that point because this is an action RPG, so you're running around and trying to dodge attacks and trying to make sure that when you make your attack, you're not in the line of fire. <laughs> and the thing that I did notice is when I put the five bullet on my gun, I was just sitting duck for those five bullets. Yes, you and were. I was getting, and I would be getting hit with like, you know, whatever, like there were the uh, the lizards that like stick their tongue out at you and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I said, maybe I, and after a while, and after the satisfaction wore off, I'm like, maybe I ought to drop my bullets because then I can do two hits and get out of the way. Yeah. So. It's an interesting sort of thing to play with, with all the different ways that you can chip your tools, because you also learn things in the field when you start hitting random battles that are like, okay, you see what works and what doesn't work, and it's it's intuitive. And you know, for nineteen for a PS one game, that's pretty pretty unique. Yes, absolutely. You know, all these things that we we have now, you know, in in current gameplay. This was like a, a novel idea twenty years ago. Back then, yeah. Like, damn, uh, like like <laughs> levels of customization here. It's it's really nice. Like, as soon as I got a, a a a bit of like junk armor, but it had like it had one of the abilities was it gives you an extra item in your inventory. I'm like, yep, I'm bringing yeah. that over. <laughs> So, and you, you've, you, through the use of tools and super tools to be able to do that, which is pretty, pretty unique and, and a, a nice way to supplement your gameplay and, and make it sort of adaptable to your play style. Yes, exactly. As it were. So, moving on to day five. So, <laughs> a, after the warehouse, after the, after you, uh, you have the crab dinner. <laughs> You go to Chinatown, and which leads down into some sewers. Because so there's right. always a sewer level. <laughs> yep, always gotta be sewers around. Yeah, yeah there absolutely is. And uh, here you here you finally see what happened to that orange blob that Eve created back in day two. You know, back on Christmas Day. It's like, where did that... Because it's like, in the backyard, it's like, where did that orange blob go? And, okay. oh! They're... They're about to enter the New York City water supply. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine that, you know, you turn on your water... You turn on your faucet, and suddenly this orange blob comes out. And meanwhile, Dana Barrett's going, not this again. <laughs> God damn it! First, it's eggs cooking on my counter. <laughs> Marshmallow men. Zool, uh, like, you know what? I'm moving to Chicago. I've had enough. Of this. Yeah. Or, or 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 pink slime coming out of the tub, the faucet, and just like really, just like I'm done. I'm done. 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 Hey. <laughs> Alright, I'm packing my bags. I'm out of here. That's it. That's I'm going upstate. <laughs> that, that, that's it. Going upstate where there's just zombie cows. But, <laughs> but so, 
you stop the... Well, you, you kind of don't really stop the, 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 the mass from progressing, and the sewers lead into the subway? <laughs> All right. And, you know, some more exploring, and... Now it's like, okay, now I'm, I'm at the subway, and... Crap, how do I get out of the subway? You need a... You need a key. And you find the key on the body... You need a Metro card. <laughs> Nineteen ninety-eight. Were they on, were they on Metro cards? Or were they still using tokens? Oh, I, I don't know. Token. I think Maybe probably still tokens. tokens. Yeah, that's probably what I still had back then was tokens. But you I'm need not a, sure. But you need a key to get out of the subway, and you find it on the body of a dead cop. As you get as you emerge, and it's like, oh, all right, fine. And then it's like, you go back into the sewer, uh, it, you go back into the subway, and then just, you get this screen, insert disc two. Like, really? <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> I had this moment where I was just like, I feel like I just fell back in a time machine. <laughs> what is the last time you've seen insert disc two? Like, insert disc two. And I'm like, well, I mean, I have the physical discs. And, Same here. <laughs> and, you know, my PS3 is one of, like, the original PS3s that were mostly backwards compatible. Mm. So I just popped out, popped the disc. But having your disc change in the middle of a chapter just was <laughs> like, that's odd. <laughs> I played it on the PS2. I had to dust that off. <laughs> All right. That, that's fair. Well, like. On the PS3, if you download a game off the PlayStation Network that has uh, multiple discs, like the, the Legend of Dragoon, for example, that's a four-disc mm -hmm. game. Yep. <laughs> and if you if you buy this on the PlayStation Network and download it, when you when it, it prompts you to change disc, you actually have to go into the PS3 menu and tell it change disc, and the em <laughs> the emul then a little me message pops up and says. Which disc do you want to change this to? And so it basically does... It tricks the emulator into a disc change. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Which, you know, was a little jarring at first, but yeah. Change to disc two, okay? And Aya says something to the effect of, the orange mass is heading to the museum, but you don't see a cutscene to that effect. Yeah. It's like, okay, where? Where is it? Are we supposed to take your word? I don't see no orange mass. <laughs> what how I, do you know? How, how do you know? But, you know, you get out of the subway and you go to the museum because you do. I have said so. You, you go to the museum and you find, oh boy, the museum's a trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's the longest, quote-unquote, dungeon in the game because, <laughs> you know, you th you're trying to find Dr. Clamp and, you know, he he's locking doors behind you and you have to go through all the exhibits and there are these, like, little machines that give you questions and if you answer correctly, you get an item. Like, really? Do kids... Exactly. Like Again, if you did your homework... 
like, yeah, it's like, first of all, you have to remember, like, grade school knowledge. But at the same time, it's like, wait a minute. Kids probably play with this. Who's hiding bullets in them? <laughs> That's very true. Like, it's again, you know, we play these games when we're younger and we have that suspension of disbelief. But now it's like, here we are in our 30s, playing through these games for like the first time in 10 or so years, finding all the plot holes and little things that go, huh. Well. Oh. So if I answer this question correctly, this random trivia question in the middle of a museum exhibit, my prize is bullets. <laughs> I can I yeah. can just I can just imagine like back then all the kids that were like eighteen that were like eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old, they're like I didn't ever think I would need to remember that knowledge. I'm not going to to call to college for stuff. That's like, oh shit! I I remember studying about this in high school. Damn, what was the answer to this? What was the answer? It's like, what was the cause of you know, the the oxygenation in the early atmosphere? And it's like, oh, photosynthesis. So, but like, the thing is, if you answer the, if you get the question wrong, you won't get the item. Like if you go back to that thing and you answer it correctly, it won't give you. It won't, you have to get it right on the first try to get the item. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, but again, it's just that that little funny moment. Like, if they, you know, what if the what if the museum was open and you know, little kids like, oh, you know, when did what was the first? Uh, what was my, who who was could be traced to? Uh, who was the origin of uh, the human? Species and it's like oh, it was, it was in Africa. It was an African female. The origin of mitochondria Eve. It's like oh, it was in Africa. It was a woman in Africa, and you know, you hit the button and it pops out. It's like, mommy, what is this? And it's a box of bullets, <laughs> or it's a it's a it's medicine. And it's like wow. <laughs> All right, that doesn't make any sense, but you know. And that's when mom's like, we're not coming here again. I'm taking you uh, to the uh, challenge center next time. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like. <laughs> and, you know, again, you know, thinking about this now, it's like, oh, Japan. And, uh, but no, you're going through this entire long thing. Meanwhile, Eve is ta is just taunting the hell out of you oh, all, yeah. all the while because she's like, ah, that orange blob that is now in the museum just reanimated an entire T-Rex skeleton. It's one of my favorite oh, parts good. of the game. <laughs> it's like, how the hell is something like this do it, be, be, pulling a, a necromancer on on, on the uh, T-Rex skeleton? That, that that scene just reminded me of um, in uh, one of my favorite book series, The Dresden Files. If you guys haven't checked that out, it's by uh, Jim Butcher. It's freaking amazing. And one of the books called Dead Beat, literally, there's a necromancer who revives a freaking T-Rex skeleton from a museum in Chicago. And the, the main character, uh, Harry Dresden, is like, son of a bitch, you had to do that. And then he's just like, all right, you know what, screw it. You reanimated it. It's not doing much. I'm using this against you. And he just freaking rides the damn T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, you, you, get, you get to Dr. Clamp's office, uh... And you find out that Dr. Clamp 
has been helping Eve this entire time. He has engineered special sperm for Eve so that she can create the ultimate being. And once again, this cutscene is a is calls the novel back. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, it calls the novel back because what happens in the novel here is that once Eve uh, rapes the scientist to get his sperm. Um, she then takes this sperm and the egg that is in Eve and implants it in a little girl. Who is now pregnant and gives birth very quickly to this, to this thing. Now... To the being, yeah. To, to the being, and why, and what happened in Japan was that this... This thing, which has basically taken the idea of of millions of years of evolution and has condensed it into a few minutes. Yes. <laughs> so in the novel, this what happens is that the male mitochondria in the sperm realizes what's happening. And in the climactic scene of the novel, the male mitochondria of the sperm and the female mitochondria from Eve are fighting with each other. So this baby thing is shifting between male and female form as oh, they, wow. as they fight for supremacy and dominance. And, oh my God. Wow. <laughs> and because of this, the being is also dying at the same time because just, so much of it, it, like, Eve did not expect this to happen. Right. So, in an effort to save humanity, because while this fight is going on inside this baby being, uh, the resultant, like, people are spontaneously combusting. <laughs> um, <laughs> shit is just really going off the wall. So in an effort to save humanity, the scientist basically just takes the the being and tries to comfort it, and in doing so, immolates himself. Right. A and, you know, the being dies because all of its energy has been spent. Right. So they mention this during this cutscene with Clamp. So Clamp decided to engineer special sperm which removed he removed the male mitochondria so that this could not happen again right i don't know how you do that but whatever japan um i'll ask i'll ask the biologist uh, all right I'll, I'll ask the, the science nerd i'll ask the scientist here <laughs> all right go for it all right so you know just I just want to let you listeners out there know that, you know, we're not just, we don't always bullshit uh, <laughs> things here. Mostly, but not always. Yeah, very, very, very fine, sophisticated program we have here on DLC. And Ryan is, Ryan is, you know, he's a biologist. Science nerd over here. So, uh, Mr. Nye, well... <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, well, different level. As well, but. <laughs> different level. So, yep. like, I know it, it. It doesn't sound like it's scientifically possible to selectively remove one major component of a cell 
and have so, it still work. So here's the interesting thing about mitochondria. As everybody knows, we all learned it in tenth grade. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of these of the cell. But what not many people know about with the mitochondria is that the mitochondria also has its own set of uh, genetic material, its own uh, mitochondrial DNA per se. Right. So, and square and uh, with Parasite Eve just being all like science fiction and stuff, and say, oh well, if I move, remove the mitochondria, the male mitochondria, we can go off. Um, that's complete and total utter bullshit. You need, uh, you still need the male mitochondria in order to actually fully get get a working human being so that's why to be it's like uh yeah that's also another reason why the ultimate being fails in the end is because if you don't have the mitochondrial genes from both the mother and the father although i guess technically you wouldn't need it but anyways i'll go just say for the game game's sake that's why the ultimate being kind of went kind of died in the end because of necrosis is because uh, you don't have a stabilized genes pretty much with that and it, and that's how basically the ultimate being dies. It's just the cells are unstable, pretty much. Well, thank you very much for your scientific perspective. There, it's a, <laughs> like I know that the, the and they mentioned this in the game that you know mito, the mitochondria has its own specialized genetic material, and there's a symbiotic relationship between the mitochondria and the nucleus, and that's how they they get along. Yep. There's this uh, fun thing and as as uh, with playing through the game, it's like, okay, basically what they're doing for the mitochondria is they're blowing up a process called oxidative phosphorylation, which um, uh, translated means just uh, make, that's how the mitochondria makes energy for the cell. They're basically putting that on steroids in uh, the game because it's like everybody's combusting and stuff. It's just like, yeah, apparently so what they're saying is that the mitochondria in this game are just producing so much energy that it's just causing all cells to go up in flames pretty much so it's just interesting you know if, if you are uh, like a bio major or you know a scientist you who's you know playing this game it it must be sort of it's either one of those things where you go that's that, what you're doing square is bullshit but that's actually good <laughs> bullshit <laughs> it was i was just like even for a science geek like me it's just like you know, you're totally pulling this out of your ass and doing it, but you're doing it in a fun way. I gotta give you props for that. <laughs> like, it, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, this is bullshit, but there's a, there's a drop of plausibility in here. <laughs> like, it's not, it's, it's not like, it's not total, you know, making stuff up out of your ass. It's like, yes, this is all fiction, but you're basing it in, in actual science. So, well done. Bra yeah. Bravo! Science fiction. Ha! How about that, Shanna? <laughs> How about that, Shanna? Right there. Science fiction. <laughs> Although, um, interestingly enough, with um, the mitochondria that they were going on with it, um, one thing that does that they actually somewhat get right in Parasite Eve is the fact that with mitochondrial DNA, that actually mostly. Uh, if there's anything wrong with your mitochondria, that actually is bound to affect women more than men because mitochondrial DNA it comes from your your mother more than anything else. Right. And so they it was just like, it was just like with uh, with parasite Eva, it's just like so basically 
because of like how with his uh, with the doctor's dead wife and stuff like that, and how transplanting the mitochondria in there, it's just like, hey, there's actually a tad little bit of truth in there. Not enough for it to actually be plausible, but still, <laughs> it makes for a good story. Yep, it makes for a good story. So it's like it's like yeah, you can't remove the male mitochondria out of it's, like, it's like wait, it's like nice try there, but okay, <laughs> uh, you know, you're, you're you're trying to advance a narrative here. I give you props for that, but it's like all right, now the science is getting a little mm. <laughs> just a mm. but so. And uh, one other thing I, I also will add in, just because uh, for the sci- for uh, the uh, scientist and biology nerd in me, the other thing that they're going into with Parasite Eve is a theory called the selfish gene theory, which yes. basically means that the genes of the mitochondria, as I say, apparently are have a will of their own and their own mind, per se. In actual real life, what the selfish gene theory is saying is that it's influenced evolution because, well, per se, by the effects that the that the DNA has on like the phenotype or what a per, the trace a person has, not necessarily a, the gene doesn't necessarily have a will of its own, but through all like the mutations and stuff, it actually is kind of being a little quote unquote selfish for what. For, uh, how it advances in evolution so it was an interesting way to put it in parasite eve it's like i'm i'm getting i'm like i'm i'm playing through this and i'm like getting all of this science and i'm like oh a good thing i passed the regents then back in high school it's like for a call for me with a college education and like um the whole biology animal science stuff going into biotechnology i had to learn about genetics a lot and gen- and i like the molecular biology part of it but it's just like please don't give me the statistics bullshit with it i hate that but it's like yeah you learn some interesting things in molecular biology and it's just like oh wait i see what they tried to pull out of their ass oh so it's an, so it's not a fully th- full thing of pulling it out of your ass it's just like well there is this little bit here that we're gonna transplant from genetics and stuff and it's just like okay i'll give you props for that for trying <laughs> nice try nice try i mean i mean again you know again this game is is a sequ- the sequel to the novel and the novel itself was written by a doctor so i mean i think yeah definitely when you can i mean pick it up it's it's pretty cool to see you know how that translates over into paris into the game parasite eve so but back to dr clamp (laughs) (laughs) the evil german (laughs) oh god so special sperm male mitochondria removed so that we won't have the the fighting of the of the genders of the sexes you know right at birth causing all that necrosis and and you know all that fun stuff um was this also was this the point where you had Daniel come in for a second time uh, yes. and and punching the doctor? Yes. <laughs> because because he pulls a scalpel on Aya and then just out of nowhere bam! <laughs> Like here comes the trusty sidekick again. Daniel's a good partner. What can you say? He's yeah. a very good partner. He's a very good partner. Just, <laughs> but you know, he punches him, and you know, the doctor is, you know, 
rambling on about, you know, the ultimate being and, you know, his part in all of this. And, you know, he starts waxing, you know, poetic here. And he's, you know, asking, he's asking Eve to take him. And just suddenly he bursts into flames. Yeah, that part I didn't get. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be brutally honest. Um, just because I was waiting for him to somehow become like a a boss or a minion. I was waiting him to be like, basically have his Hojo moment, so to speak. <laughs> you know what I mean? I figured like yeah. point, Eve's going to come in and be like, you have helped me and now I will help you be stronger. You know, like yeah. that moment and then he would get all mutated and you'd have to fight him. So for him to just burst into flames and that was it. I was like, oh, really? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was not what I was you know, Yeah, I felt the same, like a bit anti I was waiting for a boss battle. Like, yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, you know, a great analogy. I did not even make that connection, like waiting for his Hojo moment. Like, <laughs> that that's good. That that, I, that was the way I thought of it. Well done, Shanna. And <laughs> Thank you. just, but yeah. I'll adjust but, my glasses now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, I'll just, you want me to start calling you Lucretia? Anyway, uh. <laughs> 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 And for our next trick, but yeah, I, I was waiting for him to become a boss because the game felt like at this point, like you're going to have to fight this guy because he is, you know, he is complicit in all of this. And, you know, there there's also, you could also read this as, you know, he was seduced by Eve as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that you could definitely take that reading of it as well. But he just burns and, you know, he, he questions Aya, like, why are you still, why do you still want to be human and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he, humanity sucks and he dies. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically it. That's his ending. Yeah. Humanity sucks, he dies, but then you are, but you find on his burning body a key. Because there are several doors in the museum that you cannot get to until you have the key. But, so you pick up the clamp key, which is what it's called in the game. And (laughs) you finally get to some of these rooms that you weren't allowed into. So it's like, hey, extra weapons, armor, great. Oh, they're giving me some. There's that whole, wait a minute, they're giving me a bunch of stuff. Something's about to happen. Yeah. So... In the, into one room, and you're here with it's you know, with a sort of mini boss, uh, the skeleton of a triceratops. Oh, that, that drove me crazy! Because you have to blow its head off first. Yeah, but it keeps charging you. Yes, it does. Because a lot. <laughs> because orange goop, and <laughs> and you know you beat that. And then as you try to leave the room, it cuts to a scene where just this other Triceratops, or maybe the same Triceratops, charges at you and hurls you down to where the T-Rex is hiding. (laughs) Yeah, they give you no breathing room. Yeah, so again, if you die here, you're going to have to face the Triceratops and the T-Rex again. But, you know, T-Rex is, as bosses went pretty easy <laughs> kind of yeah i mean it, it was it's a big creature so there's a lot of ways you could try to mi- minimize or avoid damage but you know not too bad 
And after this battle, I leveled up and I gained the uh, the greatest of Aya's powers, Liberate. Yes! So... Liber- oh, this is just... This move is just absolutely beautiful because it's, you know, it's the last thing you learn. That's when, uh, that's, if you use this ability, it uses your entire parasite energy meter. And it's basically Aya just lets go. (laughs) Like, holy hell breaks loose because it's a seven hit attack. She transforms into her own mitochondrial being and just beats the shit out of anyone. It's it's beautiful. <laughs> it, that the moment when uh, Aya uses her the liberate ability kind of reminded me from uh, Final Fantasy, and I will say uh, six in this case because that's the one that I played when it was on the GBA. I feel I think it was Final Fantasy four on the on the. Uh, NES, but basically when Terra transforms into her Esper ability and just how fucking yes. powerful she is with that, it's just like holy, it's just like, is Aya having a Terra moment? Holy crap! <laughs> it kind of is. It, it kind of is. You it, mention it. There's the, the, it. It made me think a little bit of Omni Slash. That's sort yeah. of a, yeah. That's a, <laughs> she, she gets seven hits, and they are powerful hits. Like, each hit is taking out between like 250 and 350 damage and she does this seven times yeah it's basically uh the omni slash uh, for parasite e basically i can only imagine using again that against even have like a final scene like with uh, final fantasy 7 cloud versus sephiroth and you can only do the limit break and it's just omni slash Uh, but they make a point of showing you how powerful it is because when you're done with it, Aya actually gets a little. She's like kind of woozy. The animator, so she looks like she's about to pass out for a minute before you start going again. Yeah, but and it's like yeah, she's passed out for a few seconds because the 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 parasite Eve entered the parasite energy bar doesn't start refilling automatically. She right, is, exactly. She's wobbly for a few seconds, which could which could be a very precious few seconds that she's a sitting duck. Yeah. It's just like, oh crap, she can't move. And, and spamming buttons ain't gonna work. <laughs> no. Exactly. No. It's like, nope, she is. She, you've just used this very powerful move. She's a little woozy. So. And then you finally beat the T Rex, and then you see a very, very pregnant Eve. Yep. A very, very pregnant Eve. There that was fast. Again. <laughs> Again, yeah. A matter of a day or so. Oh, Japan. <laughs> yeah, well, this is... Yeah, I, I can't really say that. And then this is another thing that I mentioned on Facebook. It's like, okay, Square figured out to get around the nudity flag. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, like, Yep. You could have your character be completely and utterly and obviously naked, but as long as you don't put nipples or pubes on her, she's decent. <laughs> Throw a couple of extra arms in there, too, a couple of tentacles. Like, see, she's not even human. Yeah, that's. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> Like, and of course, I can imagine every guy I play this everywhere go, 
going, I've seen enough head to know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is one of those moments where you look at the box and go, what game is, how, what was this rated? Uh, <laughs> but, oh, M, uh, it should be more. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, but yeah, I'm like, that's how Square got around the, 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 the AO f uh, rating. It's like, all right, she's very obviously female. You know, the, the breasts give it away. Uh, mm. Yeah, as long very as very pregnant. She's very pregnant. She's utterly naked. Just complete. But no, as long as you don't put nipples on her, you don't give her any sort of any pubes. You know, nope, she's good. She's decent. Perfectly decent. She doesn't even really have a nether region, to be honest. It's nope. Yeah, just sort of like, yeah. Yeah. Nothing like that. Just all right. All right. She's good. She's good. She's fine. Just boobies. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, some more dialogue and. She forms this this shield around her, while the uh, the ultimate being is gestating. The military uh, steps in, and nothing they do works. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nothing they do works. You know, uh, make you ma ma make your jokes as you will. Um, but. Whatever, I see our patriots don't work either. Um, it's like we have this huge biological weapon, and yet there's nothing worse, Jack, that the military has to kill it. Uh, yeah, what does that tell you? So they're like, so they, they, they have a, a, a plan. They're like, yeah, we've got a nuclear warhead attached to one of these helicopters. Aya, you're the only one who can do this without combusting. Uh, can you go? Oh, and by the way, and I was like, I don't know how to fly a helicopter. Oh, no, the helicopter is completely on autopilot. Just all you have to do is just pull the trigger. And I'm like, really? Wow. Like, like, like this NYPD rookie can just get in a helicopter that apparently has been programmed to fly exactly where it needs to. Like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, you know, fine, whatever. Aya's support goes up in flames, literally. <laughs> um, she fires the nuke. It works? Question mark? <laughs> um, the Statue of Liberty gets destroyed. But, you know, again, this is another point where, I mean, the entire scene, because basically the, you know, this is when all the goop sort of it's like an anthropomorphic form, right? Yes. It's kind of like just this yep. big person. How is that not a boss battle? Like, I... And I don't know if maybe it was the capability of the PS1 at the time, but then again, you know, we just come off of Final Fantasy VII where you've got, you know, the highway chase and the submarine and all that stuff, so... Like, it was one of those moments where I'm like, okay, well, like, it was a good cutscene and all, but how were we not sitting here in a you know, in a helicopter having to fight this thing. Like, how is that not part of the game? Agreed. I mean, maybe it's something that if they were to ever reboot it, maybe it's something that they could add, but it was just sort of one of those weird things where it almost felt like a missed opportunity. Yeah. I mean, you finally do get your battle with Eve, though. You know, oh, yeah. After, oh, yes. after the goop, you know, is is everywhere, the statue of liberty is gone. Sorry, France. And <laughs> but now you are fighting Eve on this on Liberty Island, right by this very very broken Statue of Liberty. 
and it's a two-part battle, and this is what we call our difficulty spike, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yes. Because, oh, yeah. because up to this point on my playthrough, my most recent playthrough in preparation for this episode, I had not hit a game over. I hit a game over here. <laughs> like, this is one of those moments where I'm sort of cruising along, and Eve was just like, nope. We're going to put a stop to that. So I'm like, okay, how do I... Because e the first part of this battle, Eve has three distinct attackable parts. Because she's got, she's got the, the, the torso, she's got the, the very bulbous midsection-y thing, and <laughs> tendrils for legs, I'll call them. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Which she literally, like, bitch slaps you with those tendrils. Yes, she does. I mean, that was... I, that was the thing that kept getting me was I'd try to get in to get a shot and the next thing you know she would grab me up and just start punching me and I'm just like no, no, stop <laughs> that was how she got me every time yeah because the the, she, the three tentacle attacks she's got a white one, a brown one, and a red one right, the white one is just a regular attack the brown one inflicts a confusion status effect and does damage and the Which I will say, the confusion effect... Sorry to interrupt. Um, but I really did like the confusion effect in this game. Yes, where you basically... Because it, it, it basically messes up your directionals. Yep. Yes, it does. <laughs> that is literally the most annoying part about that damn effect. It is, but it was a... It was a good way of going about it. I mean, it's like, yep, she's confused. <laughs> yeah, she's absolutely confused. It's better than just sitting in one place, spinning... Yes. <laughs> Sitting in, in one place spinning, or, you know, or with stars around her head or something like that. Maniacally laughing. Yeah. Off, off, promo trigger. Yeah. For, and all, but even though she was in a confused status, she could still fire at the target. Go figure. Of, <laughs> go figure. But the red tendril was the worst because it automatically knocked your HP down to one. Yes. That was the most... I think that was the reason why I blew through all of my revives. Yeah. <laughs> it was this battle that I lost all of my revives. It was just like, all right. So I'm like, all right, what the hell? How do I approach this? Because this is not one of those battles where if you just take out the head, the battle is over. You have to destroy all three parts. Yes. So I'm like, what do I have? What the fuck? Do I, have? I only have 10 rockets <laughs> and I know what's coming. Yeah. You know, so this is my second playthrough. So it's like, I know the battle that comes after this. I'm going to uh. need all of those rockets. What do I do? Here? I have liberate. Ooh. <laughs> and liberate, uh, when you use it, when you use it on this first part of Eve, uh, it moves the attack around. So it, she doesn't just hit one section of Eve. She'll go, you know, the game will decide where those hits land. But it, right. it makes that battle quite easy. It's so much easier. And, you know, it helps. But it's like, since the, since the attack doesn't necessarily kill any one of those three parts... It just weakens them all, so it's like, all right, break out a grenade launcher, 
And it's like the game will tell you when one of those parts has been destroyed because it'll take it off your choices. But she'll also like do this sort of seductive moan thing. <laughs> it's just like, all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you get through this battle. Female villain. <laughs> you get through this battle and. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. A, more? <laughs> For, and now she's, you know, no longer does she have any of these tendril-looking things. Or, you know, now she's just, she looks mostly human again. She actually, she looks more, more like Melissa at the start of the game. Yeah. And just, like, and she doesn't have the pregnant belly or anything like that. She is, like, 99% naked. She with, kinda reminds me of with wins. I think it was the final boss in um Tactics. Final Fantasy Tactics. I've never played Tactics, so that one is me neither. Uh, no. uh, oh like basically it's the same thing. It's like a woman with wings and you know kind of has that like messed up angel kind of look to her. In a sense. Alright, but again, you know, square and also their wings. Everything's wings. Um, yep. Yep. <laughs> but now they, they they do, and now you know you have this form, and now she's got you know now she has an ability where she can just root you to the spot, and <laughs> you know paralyze. Yeah. Like oh great, and oh she can go up into the air and fire this purple arrow spear thing. And if it hits you, or the blast radius hits you, defense down. Uh. If you get in, if you get close to her and she hits you, poison. <laughs> She's not messing around. She mm. wants you to use your medic for all it's worth. Oh, oh yeah. So, and meanwhile, I'm just like, all right, come on, come on, energy bar. I want to pull off liberate again. Come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and here is where I figured out a trick to get that energy bar to fill up. Um, because if you notice, if, if you're playing and you use your parasite energy powers like more than four or five times in a given battle, you'll notice that the rate that that energy bar fills back up reduces to a crawl. Yeah. Yes, it does. So, I fi- I figured this out by accident. I was I, I was in the Eve battle where I cha- when it was my turn I changed armor to an an armor that I had that resisted poison or something like that, and I noticed that by changing the armor it reset the rate at which the energy bar filled. Oh really? It does. It oh. resets it back to normal rate. Because the rate that the bar fills is determined by a stat in your armor. Ah. So by switching armor, the game resets the rate at which the bar fills to adjust for the new armor. Ooh, hey, we found a good hack in the game, even though it's not really a hack. (laughs) So I'm like, oh. It's more of an oversight, but a useful oversight. I'm like, oh, well then. All right, I'll switch armor. Then when it's my turn again, I'll switch back to my stronger armor. 
<laughs> and go from there. So it's like, all right, I just I just need to stay alive long enough to to for this to fill back up, liberate game. <laughs> Eve dies, quote unquote. That nice. Eve yeah. dies, quote unquote. I'm like, oh, you, you bitch. But as she's dying, you know, she is like stunned beyond disbelief. Like, how are you our natural enemy? <laughs> you know, and she dies. She collapses into the orange goo, but not without giving you one last smirk. Yeah. Yep. Because it's like, okay. Why'd she do that? And this is one of my favorite things about this game is that I usually hate when a game does a bait and switch at the end. Like this, the game has been building up so much to this battle because this has been your antagonist for the entire game. You beat it and then the game throws another boss at you that you have never seen before and you have no feeling about. Just like, ah, I'm the one that's been pulling the strings all along. Ha ha! I hate games that do that. I've played so many JRPGs that do that and it drives me nuts. Like, but we just resolved the conflict. Why are you here? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> but in Parasite that is, Eve... That is such a trope, yeah. In Parasite Eve they actually have been building this alongside Eve. The whole ultimate being subplot now mm -hmm. comes into focus because this is why Eve gives you that last smirk as she's fading into the goop because she has left a failsafe. Yep. <laughs> so while you're back on this, while you're on the, the, the Navy ship, you know, it's like, yeah, this is over, and yay, and Aya is like, you, you hear the, the heartbeat noise, like you're about to go into a battle, and you're like, uh-oh. Shit, here we go. And then the whole boat shakes, and and uh, it's like, and you see, it cuts to the cutscene of the ultimate being being born, and nothing gets on your nerves quicker than hearing a baby screaming. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, you're kidding me, right? The baby <laughs> emerges from the womb in the goop, starts crying, and suddenly, like, half your battleships explode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And meanwhile, I'm like, damn, that's better than, you know, causing an entire audience to spontaneously combust. You scream and battleships explode. <laughs> and mind you, it's like, here enters the world's ugliest baby. <laughs> oh god, yeah, just go, that. Just I saw playthroughs of going through against that thing. It's just like, oh god. But it's like, behold, a face not even a mother could love. <laughs> yeah, unless but, that mother is Eve, but that's a completely different story. Yeah, <laughs> but, but but you know, hopefully you saved in the room just behind you before this right. battle, because you really don't want to have to fight Eve and then this one after the other again. So it's like, I saved because you have that. You, and I, I love the fact that save points were, were telephones. I feel, yeah. that, I, I feel like that was a direct, uh, sort of middle finger at Capcom. Like 
Wait a minute. You use ink ribbons? Get with the times, man. We've got... <laughs> it's like, get with it, man. I mean... Anyway. So, you save in the room. Hopefully, you you got some medicines from the, the Navy officer in that room. Mm-hmm. And, all right, here we go. And, you know... Then, you know, Daniel and Maeda, you know, they have to get on the helicopter to escape. And Maeda, again, but Aya, I have to give you. (laughs) And And Daniel's just like, come on, we got to go. Daniel is like, Aya's got no time for your voodoo shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's like one of the best lines. And I'm like, oh, and and, and I'm like, oh, Barrett. And, uh, like, and my aide is like, no, this isn't vo- this isn't voodoo or anything. Like, I need to et- no. God, you're coming with me, and and all right, here we go, baby. And so here we go. First form of the final boss, the ultimate being. It is easy. The first form is a gimme. I mean, it's literally fighting a baby. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's easy to kill. The the only thing it does is that it shoots out these like sort of sonic waves that hit you for a really small amount of damage. The only thing that it does that um, if you don't kill it quick enough, that it, even the baby has a bit of a punch because the baby does sort of like a body slam. Yeah, and if you are in the range of that body slam, your HP goes down to one. <laughs> So I decided, you know, again, on my most recent playthrough, I forgot about that and it knocked me down to one, which, and then it was like my immediate next move because it did the body slam while I was in mid firing. So it's like, I, I, it did the body slam. It knocked me down to one, but then the next bullet killed it. Nice. So then I'm going into the second form with one HP. <laughs> Yikes. So I decided, I'm like, you know what? And obviously I died. Um, yeah, so- the, to me, the second and the fourth forms are the most annoying of, of uh, the ultimate being. <laughs> yeah, because mind you, this this final boss is the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, <laughs> yep. it was because you're already pretty tired at the end of this game because think about it you go through like just a labyrinth of boss fights between like once it kicks off with the the triceratops it's just you're going you're going and going and by the time you beat eve there is this sense of relief like all right i did it and then it's like okay there's another boss but it keeps going and you're like all right i beat the baby this is it right okay it's evolving all right, um, it's just got to be, this is it. This is the final form. It's ugly as heck. It's got to be the final form. And it's like, okay, it's changing again. Yeah. And you're just like, when is this When is this boss ending? <laughs> and I'm running out of items. <laughs> yeah. So first form, baby, that's easy. So I decided on this first form, you know what? I'm not even going to let it do the body slam. One liberate, done. <laughs> Out. <laughs> out just no i'm i'm gonna go into the second form with full health yeah because as i said i'm out of revives at this point so it's like okay i need to for me the the hardest form is the third form 
So well, yeah. So when it's actually the mature being. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So I'm like okay, second form. All right. It shoots out these little pew pew, you know, lightning balls at me. All right, I'm just going to keep shooting it with my grenade launcher and wait until my bar fills back up. Liberate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you're lucky, Liberate takes it out. Hopefully you've done enough damage with your grenade launcher or your rocket launcher to the point where when you use Liberate, it finishes it off. Um, Sometimes it doesn't. And so so when you do enough damage to it, it separates into this crawling figure and just this wings, this set of wings flying around shooting projectiles at you. (laughs) So... I've never done that. (laughs) Yeah, when you do enough damage to it, it separates out just to to annoy the crap out of you. Yeah. Because the... The... the, the That I remember, yeah. the the, the, The child... His its only move is that it shoots a purple beam that spans the screen. Yeah. So you have to run to try to avoid it, while at the same time, just this set of wings is firing little pissant projectiles at you. <laughs> so, if you're lucky, Liberate takes it out, and it's like, okay, second form is done. Then the music ramps up, and now you're at the mature being, third form, and... Yeah, Shanna, like you were saying, it's like, oh, God, just end, (laughs) end. It's also the form with the most HP. It's got 3,500 HP. Yeah. It's like, oh, God. And, you know, I have armor at this point. I've equipped armor, which automatically uses a medicine when the HP falls below 100. Yeah. So it's just like this third form just goes through all of that immediately. Right. <laughs> because because again, it's like, okay, I just use Liberate. I have to wait for the energy bar to fill back up. So I'm just like, fuck it. I've got all, I've got all my rocket launcher left. Let's just go. Just, just fucking yeah. go. <laughs> it needs to die. <laughs> Kill this. It needs to die. Is- Remind me again, is that is the third form that one that has like those... Um, Floating, I won't call them projectiles, but whatever the hell those things are that are like constantly shifting, shifting it. And as you're trying to fire at this damn thing, they're they're firing things back at no, you. No, that's the fourth form. Oh yeah, <laughs> that. Uh, yeah. So third form, you know, again, same strategy. It's just like, oh, you just have to try to survive long enough so that you can get, you can try to get a liberate off. Yeah, <laughs> because. If you have a full rocket launcher, usually you've done enough damage with the rocket launcher that by the time you get, you're able to pull off Liberate again, it will take care of it or come very close to. Right. So, but again, the key is you have to survive and this thing just keeps fucking hitting for so much damage every single time. But once you beat that, it's just like, okay, done? Is it? No, it's not done. Fourth form. Fourth form. And now it's this, like, adult humanoid jellyfish thing. (laughs) Stingray. I don't know how else to describe it. There's. I don't think there is any other way to describe it. It literally is just, like, green glowing goop 
but kind of corporeal in a way. It's, yeah. yeah, and the thing that you notice right away is that suddenly your weapons do one damage, one yep. damage, two damage, and I'm going, oh, fuck no. Fuck no. <laughs> no. And it's, it's this fourth form that has those annoying... Um, Floating projectile things that are also hitting you with like these lasers at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's, it's these little like little pew pew things that take out sixty HP a shot. So I'm just like, oh god, like if I had any rocket launcher left at this point, I'm just I would shoot it at one. I'm like, what? <laughs> this is supposed to be like a boss killer. What the fuck is it only doing one HP worth of damage? <laughs> Something like, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to right, handgun, uh, grenade, whatever, and just start firing it. So you do this about ten times, and it's like, even even like liberate, nothing. It's just like, yeah, sure, haha. <laughs> and once you do like 15 HP worth of damage, <laughs> it cuts to a cutscene of Daniel's greatest moment. Part oh, three. My God, I love yeah, that but that is the awesome cuts. <laughs> Part three, uh, where Maeda is like, man, I wish we, I could have given these bullets to her. And Daniel's like, what? Shit. Daniel's like, yeah, these are bullets that have eight Aya's cells in them. She, she could have used them to kill that thing. And Daniel's like, why didn't you say so? And I'm going... He tried to give them up from you, but you said stop with your voodoo crap. He tried to. You prevented him from doing that, you <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Granted, Maeda could have said, like, no, these are bullets. He True, yeah. Instead of just, like, stammering. But, you know, when you give Aya four useless good luck charms, I mean, you know, you're going to establish a, a pattern here. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Daniel's like, give me that, takes the bullets... Jumps out of the helicopter. Okay. <laughs> no parachute. Just, I'm like, what are you doing, Daniel? Uh, you did not think this through. Halfway down, he he bursts on fire. Yeah, he, he spontaneously combusts because now he's getting close to this, uh, this ultimate being. Somehow he manages to throw the clip of bullets directly at Aya without something called wind resistance. Like... <laughs> Like, uh, uh, like, and even the best. The Earth's <laughs> physics failed completely at this point, just to yeah. give Aya a good narrative. And of course, <laughs> and of course, the best part—he's—he's he's still on fire, and then he just lands in the ocean and gets extinguished. And it's just like, oh yeah, he—he's he, on—he's <laughs> on fire. Oh, how nice that New York Harbor was right there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How utterly convenient that there was a nice body of water for him to crash into. Also, ow, that's one gigantic belly flop. Belly flop. From, from, from like distance. That is one hell of a of a drop in a belly flop like that. Like, ow. Like, mm. if, if you don't have any broken bones, you certainly aren't breathing for a few seconds. Yeah. But whatever, exactly. he's on fire, so whatever, he, he's fine now. He yeah. doesn't even suffer, like, any actual residual yeah. burns. <laughs> That's what I love, because, like, when you see him, obviously, after all this, he's there's not even any burn marks on his suit. Like, he's just fine. He's like, oh, man, 
this has been crazy, but look at the sunrise. And it's like, shouldn't we be taking you to the hospital, Daniel? <laughs> yeah, like, really? There should be a moment where I was just like, oh, yeah, he's in the hospital. Like, he he got a little burned up and beat up from falling into the water like that, but he's going to be okay. Yeah, The hospital, which is at this point has been, is now reduced to like one doctor and two nurses. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. That's so, awesome. yeah. <laughs> So, you know, fine. So then you you get this, this clip of bullets and you because Maeda gave you a gun beforehand, which, you know, right. you look at the stats and it, it does like one damage. You're like, why the fuck do I need this gun? But the game, you know, he tells you, you like, hold on to this gun. It'll be important. Uh, you get a special clip of bullets that eat every single bullet does nine, nine, nine damage. So six of these bullets, it finally reduces into a puddle of goo. And you finally are like, finally, it's over. Credits. Come on. Credits. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. Because, oh, it's now giving chase. <laughs> and for me, this was the most pulse-pounding part of the game for me. Same for me, because you have the music that accompanies this. Which, now, I got trolled so hard this week. Okay. So after the battle, after the four-part boss battle, this thing is chasing me. So I run into that first room, and I see the blinking light of the phone. Right. And I'm going, oh, save point. I pick, nope. up, I pick up the phone and the creature is still moving very slowly toward me all this. And it says communications failure. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going, no, you fucking thing so i try to race to the door and as aya is in the middle of opening the door the creature gets her game over oh no that's awful because the game trolled me into thinking that this was an active save point <laughs> that's just cool <laughs> so this was like wednesday night april had already gone to bed i could not throw the controller <laughs> I was so angry at having gone through this four-part difficult boss fight and getting fooled by a fake save point. <laughs> and you know the programmers did that on purpose. Yes. Yep. Developers yeah. definitely did that on purpose. Yep. So I'm like, all right, fine. So the next day I'm like, all right. I beat the boss again, but with some difficulty again. And this time I'm like, no, no, I'm just going to run. Just run because, you know, the creature is very slowly moving toward you. And the, the closer you get to the end of the ship, the music gets faster. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and you could swear that this creature is also starting to pick up speed. Yeah. So... It's like you get down to the boiler room and Aya has this is where Aya has like the cheesiest line in the game. She she rigs the boiler so that it's going to explode. That and she's hoping that she's she's going to blow up the battleship 
with the creature still on it, hoping that it does it once and for all. But she looks at this at this creature that's slowly moving toward her, and she's like, "You know where we are? We're in Hell's Kitchen." <laughs> no, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> We're in Hell's Kitchen. That's her last line. And, yeah. <laughs> and then you get control of her again, and you have to book it. You have to get the fuck off this ship. And along the way, there are dead ends. Yeah. So, luckily... I, I it was like I didn't hit any of the dead ends, but just after after that one fake save point. So finally, get off the ship now. You know, and even then, you know, first playthrough, it's like okay, the ship blew up, the being was on it. it over? Are, are we done? Is are we yeah. done? And yes, you are done. You sank the Navy's battleship, and uh, <laughs> finally, finally. And yeah, it's over. it's over. And you know, you get the again, final cutscene there, and you know, you get the last bit of science from Maeda that the reason why, because the reason why Aya has the special mitochondria was because the kidney went from Maya to Melissa, but Aya had a defect in her right eye, and they transplanted Maya's cornea. Onto Aya's, they gave the uh, yeah they gave Maya's cornea to Aya that had the special mitochondria on it, and mm. that is why Aya, you know, can do the things she does. Which, how does she not remember that? Yeah, because that happens when she's seven years old. You would remember that. Yeah, I would remember that. <laughs> like you have memory by that point, you know. It, and, but she's like, really? I don't remember that. Really? <laughs> wow. I mean, you could... Like, the thing that was weird is I think Daniel's the one who's like, yeah, that happened to you. It's like, how does he know that? Because <laughs> <laughs> they don't ever sit... Like, there's never a point in the game where they're like, oh, yeah, Daniel watched me grow up or something. It's Daniel's just her work partner. I'm like, why would he know that? Again, again just whatever. Just, oh, Japan and move on. <laughs> and, you know... <laughs> And, yeah. you know, Maeda, you know, has this the, the closing line of, you know, that humans are actually parasites and, you know, this, that, you know, th that something like this is going to happen again. I'm like, wow, really, you know, misanthropic view of the world there, you know, mis <laughs> Mr. Nerd. So, you know, and then, hey, look, the sun's rising. Oh, thank you, Daniel. Shouldn't you yeah. be having third degree burns, you know? <laughs> Shouldn't you be in the hospital and have broken bones? Yeah, you know, but no, he's fine. Not a ruffle on his suit. His very Seriously. blocky suit. But uh <laughs> Oh PS1 graphics. Yep. Then we, we love you. You know, then we cut to the final cutscene and we go back to the opera. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> oh I don't need any more PS PTSD. I'm like, okay, first of all, number one, how did they rebuild that opera house so fast? I mean, it's Carnegie Hall. <laughs> it would be closed for a while. Yeah, Carnegie Hall. Why are they performing that same opera? Yeah. 
number two, because you know, you, when you go through the the Carnegie Hall in the start of the game, like there's fire damage, there's structural damage, there's a hole in the stage. Yeah. <laughs> like, how the hell did? Well, it was probably the same contractor that fixed up the police station. I'll bet you. Just... <laughs> Somebody's making some good money. Some like wow, like okay. They're performing the same opera, and just like, and okay, first of all, Aya is the only one that did a costume change. The other three characters that come along with her, Dan, Ben, and Maeda, <laughs> are still in the same, they are ripe. <laughs> Aya, is, Aya yeah. is in like the fancy slinky dress. Yeah. The other three haven't even changed a scrap. Yeah. And Maeda is trying, he's about to, he's like, he's worked up the courage to try to mention that he's got a crush on Aya. But then, right at the, right at the second, Ben's just like, move over, scram, I'm sitting next to Aya. <laughs> I'm like, oh. I love how lighthearted this all gets at the end. <laughs> it's just such an adorable cheesy RPG ending in this game. It absolutely is, and it's like and at the moment in the opera where everyone's supposed to catch on fire, it's like the entire cast just stands up like in anticipation waiting. Well, that's because <laughs> there's, there's a part of the, of the opera where a guy comes out with a torch so they see the fire and they all freak out. Yep. Yeah. Yep, they do, and then nothing happens, and there's actually a line of text from the audience like, hey, can, can you sit down? We can't see it. There's a down in front line. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, there's a down in front line, and then, you know, that whole thing about, then, the, you know, the opera goes, and then, you know, a brief few seconds with, like, the mitochondria, and then everyone's eyes start glowing? What was that? That's the thing I didn't understand. Everyone's what did that mean? eyes start glowing, and game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like. Okay, so I'm not the only one who didn't know the meaning of that at the end when their eyes start glowing. Like, is Aya's mitochondria reacting with everyone else's and it's having that effect? Because <laughs> um, it seems like she initiates it. Like, she gets up, I think, at the end. Yeah. And then all of a sudden. That's when all the eyes start glowing. Like, there's a there's a fan theory that, you know, there's a line very early in the game where Melissa says, like, the more you use these powers, the more you become like me. Ah. Uh. So that's a possible fan theory. But at the same time, just everyone's eyes start glowing and game. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that is Parasite Eve. You get... The, the extra game you get in which the only additional thing that you get is the Chrysler building <laughs> in, 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 in which it's a 77 story quote unquote dungeon where at, yeah. the, at the top of it is the quote unquote true final boss. I hate I hate that design choice in a video game like you bury the true final boss on a forced replay yeah. Yep. That's not cool. And, like, when you start the game over, you start back at level one. What? Really? Yeah, you start back at level one. 
The only nope. the only things that carry forward with you for the new game plus is the ammo, I mean the weapon and the armor that Wayne engraves for you near the end. Oh right, right, yeah. That carries over and anything you had in storage carries over. Everything else you lose. <laughs> That's no fun. The whole point of New Game Plus is so you can blast through it and then get to the extras. Yeah. So you get so yeah, you start at level one again. And I'm just like, actually, you know what? Fuck this. It's the only extra thing in the game and it serves no narrative function. Mm-hmm. Screw you. <laughs> so you know Even though it there are moments in this game that are like, yeah, you make no sense. I I still do. Even, you know, ten years after I played this for the first time, this game still holds up. I love it. It does, it straddles a perfect balance between it is dated in certain respects, but it's not dated to the point where it's not enjoyable. Like, the game still holds up. It's still fun. Uh, The storyline, even though it's silly it's also fantastic and it's it's creative and it's different you know it's different than a lot of stories especially rpg stories um and horror stories alike it's got a very interesting science fiction bent that i don't think we've really seen in many other you know genres and um but it's also got this fun sort of you know, this it came out in the late '90s at the time where we loved buddy cop movies like *Lethal Weapon* and stuff. So it's got this campiness to it as well, and yes, that's it's just all around great. Like it's a serious game, but you know, I think that that's one of the things that really sort of like separates it from *Resident Evil 2*, where you know, *Resident Evil 2*, there are really no lighthearted, funny, or any sort of campy. Mo- it is serious and grim. Yes all the way through. Parasite Eve does have... It is a very serious game and a very serious narrative, but there are moments where you just burst out laughing. There are moments of levity in it. Yeah. Poor reporter. And, uh... (laughs) And so, Ryan, you know, you being, you know, the the science-educated one (laughs) here, you know, (laughs) what was... For you, like, was this one of those games where, like, you play this game and, like, all of the science in it? It was one of those games where, like, you had to rip it apart because it was, you know, the science was, you know, flimsy in places? Or was this one of those where you could just let it go and just have fun? There were a couple points where I did have to uh, sort of rip it apart a little bit. Um, The first one was the whole thing, like, where... You're in with like with like the with the when you go back to like um uh doctor uh when you go back to the lab where you find that that uh orange gel and or the orange goop and stuff like that and how they're talking about and like um as well as the whole thing about how I told you about the uh the 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 gene theory that was going yeah. on there was I kind of had to look up those a little bit and see what was going on I was like. Okay, so they kind of kept it a little bit, but but it was just like when uh, Doctor Clum was like about the whole thing of making that such a sort of I'm just like 
really yeah i had to do that so it's like i gotta digress on that but otherwise i found it pretty interesting and actually um I'm looking up one thing right now that I almost completely forgot about. Um, it Parasite Eve is actually a huge is also actually a play on words of another very scientific thing called the mitochondrial Eve, and that actually very much ties into this game. Yes, so does. what the mito- the mitochondrial Eve is basically the most recent common ancestor of all currently human living humans on the on the mother side basically and interestingly enough which i had forgotten about is another thing called the y chromosomal atom and that's who all living humans are descended from on the father's side so that mitochondrial eve is also kind of a little play on words too with parasite eve as well and the interesting thing with that is when they were going about with the ultimate being kind of ironic in a sense because you start off with eve and if we go off like with parasite eve and mitochondrial eve i guess you could kind of say that eve herself is like a mitochondrial eve giving giving rise to the ultimate being in a sense so that was actually a cool little thing i didn't realize and i had to cut and i just looked it up and i'm like well they actually managed to kind of pull that off pretty pretty well and if they had extended the game one more day, if it was a seven-day thing, the game would have ended on New Year's Eve. Yeah. <laughs> if they wanted to, to put a nice little... Because the game starts on Christmas but, um, Eve. Yeah, like... Oh, I mean, uh, the game doesn't specify at the end how far, how much has elapsed between the, the, the boss and when they all go to the opera. I mean, it's, it's pretty... Re- obviously, it, it has to be pretty recent. It yeah, to, true. It, it, it can't be. It can't be. You know, too long. But you know, because Beta does say at some point he's like, I have to go back to Japan. So yeah, he. I'm guessing he. I mean, he just went out there for what was happening. So I'm assuming that it had to be like, oh, I'm done now, and I'm getting ready to go back. But. Yeah. It's like, and I know we've gone like almost two and a half hours talking about this game, but <laughs> it's a good. It's a good game. It's a good game. Um, one other note I will say is that as far as female protagonists go, um, uh, yes. I, I find Aya to be quite progressive. Um, you know, the thing I really liked about her character is A, they didn't, and this is like probably obvious, but they didn't needlessly sexualize her until Parasite Eve 2. But, <laughs> um, but it would have been so easy to do that with her and to a certain extent with, uh, you know, with Eve's character, which she goes on the like gross, sexy kind of thing. But we're talking, this is a time where, you know, the biggest female video game character at the time was Lara Croft. Enough said. And they actually made Aya a fully realized character, but she also could have easily fallen into a trope. Like, she's a cop. They could have given her the, like, tough female trope. Like, basically, I hate to say it, but, like, the lightning treatment. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. she's just like, I I don't need your help. And they didn't do that. She's tough and she's capable and she can take care of herself. But she's also sensitive. You know, she's got the connection with Aya. And they also cleverly wrote in a reason why she does handle everything on her own. Because, again, they could easily say, like, you know, have her come in like, I have to handle this, this is my fight. But they literally write in like, no, I'm the only person who won't burst into flames if I get close to these people, so I'm going to go in and do it, you know, and and then she goes in and takes care of what she has to do, but 
it's very nuanced, but I think because of those choices, she's a character that we don't typically see, a female character that we really don't see in games at that time, where she doesn't fall into the stereotypes and she's just a female protagonist and you don't even look at the game as a, oh, it's a female-fronted game. Which I think, in a way, is very, very present. I agree completely. I mean, there, there is really, you know, there's not very many points in the game at all where, I mean, Square could have got done, yeah, Square could have easily, you know, for lack of a better phrase, slutted her up. And, yes. And they do in the third birthday. And that's, that's, that is why I got 30 minutes into it and put it down in disgust. <laughs> there, there's, you know, I, I don't like the, oh, let's make her, let's make her get more naked the more damage she takes. Just, no, fuck you. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. oh yeah, and, you know, as she's getting more and more injured and getting more and more naked, let's have the, the clothes tear in just the right places to flaunt her bits. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Just, fuck you. So, that's why I kind of pretend like the third game doesn't exist. You know, they <laughs> s- they start going down that path a little bit in the second game, which you alluded to. You know. Yeah. Shower scene? Anybody? Um, <laughs> the uh, one thing I will add in with uh, Parasite Eve is that this first game also kind of um, has many, so, and I and I have a feeling that they may have drawn off it a bit. Um, one of the anim- one of the CGI animated movies for Resident Evil, and it just recently came out called Resident Evil Vendetta. I don't know if either yep, of you have, to it. I've heard of it. Yep. Um, one of the similarities I have actually drawn with it is that um, with Parasite Eve, you not you know how you have the whole thing of uh, like the mitochondria, like sort of taking over and just having the mind of its own. In Vendetta, it's interesting because what they do in Vendetta is you it's still it's still the same old whole Resident Evil. You still had to go against these uh, these zombies infected, like with the T, the people infected by the T virus. And I think there's a new one, which I forget what it's called. But it's um the, the interesting story and the similarities, kind of with Paris Eve, almost in a sense, is that it's with Vendetta. It's more of a little bit more of an evolution in a sense, with like the monsters that that they go that they sh- that they go against, and it's almost kind of like the same. I'd say there's a little bit of a similarity between Parasite Eve and Resident Evil Vendetta in that sense. Mm. A bit. I haven't seen Vendetta, so I mean, I'll have to, uh, to check. It, it's it's a good. I I honestly liked it a lot. These uh, the CGI movies are a lot better than the live action. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, good. Um. So the last thing I want to mention about the first game uh, is the music of the game, and yes, <laughs> yeah, the music was written by Yoko Shimomura, which you know, if you have ever played Kingdom Hearts, you've heard her music. Fangirl, um, fangirl, fangirl. You know, she's don't hurt me. Uh, no, no, fangirl away. It's oh, you're allowed. Um, <laughs> Yoko Shimomura wrote the score for the, for Parasite Eve 1, and it's a really, really interesting... So It fits very well. Yes. Like, it sounds... Like, like she was deliberately going for, like, 
I don't know. I think the best word I can think of is like inorganic. In in that you know, it doesn't sound like it's like a a, a score written for a horror movie. Yeah. It's it's sort of it feels more like sci-fi and not atmospheric. Like, there are moments in the game where, obviously, the music matches what's going on in the game, but the music still manages to, to give off an emotional response. You know, whether you're exploring an area... Um, the battle music feels really cool, but it just, like, the, it, like, it doesn't sound like it uses any sort of natural instrumentation. It's, it's basically, like, sort of got an, it's, I don't want to say EDM, but, I mean, it's got that sort of feel to it, where it's got sort of, like, this groove, but it's also very electronic. Yes. Um, you know, the th- the feeling that I got... Have you guys ever seen uh, The Fifth Element? I have, yes. Uh, I have not. Uh, well, there's um, there's an opera singer in that movie. There's an alien opera singer in that movie. And there's a scene where she does this, like, techno song where she sings opera over it. And because she's an alien, like, the octaves kind of are, like, completely not natural. I kind of felt like if she was a character, then she was the one who did the soundtrack for this game if that makes sense because it does have that it's an alien feel and the you know and the voice of the opera singer does have these weird moments partially because it's i guess going through a midi or whatever it is but it also fits because she's not you know because she's this anomaly and she's this weird alien like creature so she's got this weird crazy warbly voice does that make sense well, it actually does make sense. I mean, Yoko Shimura, this is like one of her more original soundtracks because mm. unlike Kingdom Hearts where she's got a lot of Disney music to play with yeah. and, and Final Fantasy music to play with, this is entirely original music and she does use a lot of techno and electronica in the game. Yeah. And... On the the official soundtrack, you get you know actual words instead of MIDI. There's a, <laughs> but the, like the themes of Aya and Eve are two very different themes. But mm. you know, there's a lot of piano and and orchestration in there as well. So. I think the techno and electronica elements of the soundtrack give the game sort of a... It almost sounds like you're in a factory, almost. It's 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 clinical. Yeah. Like, I'm sort of reminded of the Magitech facility in Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's... I, I, it's a very well done score and it's like the differences between Parasite Eve 1 and 2 2 was not composed by her it's like night and day that was obvious oh wow was that obvious I was like what happened to the music yeah like, hey. like one of the biggest parts of the game <laughs> but um and, and the, the 
fact that because she's an opera singer also, our main antagonist is an opera singer, that plays so much into the game, and I think that's so cool. Is that every time that her presence is near, it's almost like every time you're about to find her again, you start hearing that voice. And something's going to get caught on fire. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But, I mean, g- given that, you know, Eve originated, emerged from the body of an opera singer, yes. It, it, I mean, it makes perfect sense that, you know, whenever you hear you know, the MIDI opera, that's, you know she's nearby. Yeah. And it, it's a very, very nice touch, so... Oh, I think that that's going to close the book on Parasite Eve, unless you two have anything else you want to say about it. Nope, I think I'm good. I think so. I think it's an awesome game. What more can I say? It's, it's, it's a great game, and, you know, Parasite Eve 2, which we won't go into, uh, it's, you know, <laughs> I, I, I really, really, you know, they, they made Parasite Eve 2 more action-based and far less RPG-based. And, you know, as, as I say to people, I said, you know, first game, amazing. Second game, not bad. Pretty good. Third birthday, run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just run, so. But I think that is going to do it for us. So yeah, 20 years later and the game still holds up remarkably well. It, it definitely holds up remarkably well. So, and, you know, again, read the novel if you haven't. I mean, the game is, the first game is a sequel to the novel. So, you know, if you want to better understand what the hell is going on, you know, get, get your 10th grade bio on and get the book. So... If any of you out there on the wide world of the internet have any questions, comments, thoughts on Parasite Eve and want to share it with us or any other episode, get a hold of us. Facebook, Twitter, our website, dlcpodcast.com. Click the feedback button. Give us, you know, feedback, ideas for episodes, future episodes, whatever you like. It's all there. dlcpodcast.com and every single episode can be found there as well as iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. So, we survived. We are still corporeal. And uh, I think that that's. I think we should we should get going before one of us spontaneously combusts. <laughs> yeah. So why are my eyes glowing right now? Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> it's the cat, Rod. <laughs> Damn it! He is sleeping right next to me. Oh. You're not going to transform, right, buddy? Yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> what? John comes in. Why does it smell like burning fur in here? Uh, <laughs> no, oh. we're cool. My cat's black mage. It'll be safe. It will be good. It's named Vivi. Yeah, I mean, yes. absolutely. So. All right. All that remains for me to do is to thank Ryan and Shanna for being on this episode with me. Come back. Don't just let this be your one token appearance for season eight and have I'll done with see it. what else is yeah, I'll see what else is coming around and if I can make any of those. I'm going to try. <laughs> and that's all we can do. So on that note, I am Brian. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>